Man, you don't understand nothing. I mean, you don't come from where we live. You, you're not bust here. Do you have a choice to get on that bus? Man, you come and live in my neighborhood for one week, and then you tell me if you got a choice. But there are a lot of people who live in your neighborhood who choose not to get on that bus. What do they choose to do? They choose to go out and sell drugs. They choose to go out and kill people. They choose to do a lot of other things, but they choose not to get on that bus. The people who choose to get on that bus, which are you, are the people who are saying, I will not carry myself down to die. When I go to my grave, my head will be high. That is a choice. There are no victims in this classroom. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Cause I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. And welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says in the tin. It's Best Film Ever, my name's Ian. And I'm Liam. And it's been a busy week, Liam. What have you done? I'm just sort of setting up what I've done. What have you done? I have worked, 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 and more worked. Isn't that a Rihanna song? Work, 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 work. I don't know. Is it Rihanna? There's someone out there going, you guys couldn't have your finger any less on the pulse of what's going on. I say right now, that song's probably like five, six, seven years old now. To be honest with you, I mean, from 2000 onwards, I have no idea about music. (laughs) But we do know our movies, and that's why we're here today. So um, I had the pleasure over the last couple days, actually, of um, doing a few panels at the pod VCon, where the V stands for virtual. And that was great. Uh, I got to sit on a couple of panels. One was kind of impromptu, and we just sort of did random things. One was about rookie mistakes in podcasting. I hope I wasn't asked because we've made lots of rookie mistakes. <laughs> Get that pod. They make tons of mistakes. They'll have lots to talk about. And then, we, of course, we did our Worst Film Ever Roundtable, which uh, we put up there. And I'm going to release that. We're going to drop that on Friday. So if you're listening okay. to this today, we have a special bonus episode coming for you on Friday where we just talk about some of our worst films ever. Mm. And um, apparently I've angered a, a a few um, a few female <laughs> listeners by trashing Fifty uh, First Dates. <laughs> boop, boop. Yeah, so I still stand by it. It's a crap film. <laughs> <laughs> so find out other films that you love that I have uh, been mean to uh, on Friday when we drop that down there. So uh, we have some guests as always today. So let's allow them to introduce ourselves. We have our perma guest. Hi, I'm Ellie. And um, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that, firstly, Fifty First Dates has a lot of charm, and secondly, that you were right, it is Rihanna who sings Work, and uh, it was only released in 2016. Oh, it's only four years ago, so I'm much more current and with it. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Um, And of course, George would usually be here, but she's still away doing her cool summer job. What is it? Please, we're not going to say that. (laughs) And as a result, we have a very special... I'm really sorted. It's not sorted, it's a How (laughs) Much Your Mother reference. (laughs) Didn't we bring this up last time? I'm sure we did. Yeah, I've never seen it. No? No. <laughs> Wasted on me. It's all right. Yeah. I was really into it when it was out, but not so much anymore. Uh, yeah. But we are joined by a very special friend of the podcast and friend of ours in general. Yeah. Debbie is with us. Say hello, Debbie. Hello, Debbie. I thought you'd do the same <laughs> intro as last time, and it works. Excellent. So we are here today to discuss uh, a film from the 90s, which I thought, oh, Debbie on. Debbie will know this. And Debbie, you haven't seen today's choice. No, never seen it. Which is good. I mean, we had a couple yeah. people for whom it'll be their first view, and then you and I, I mean, we're doing Dangerous Minds. I probably should not bury the lead. I should actually say that. Mm. I can honestly say I haven't seen Dangerous Minds since like 96. Yeah, well, probably early 2000s for me. It's been yeah. a while. But you love you some Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> oh. That is an appreciation, folks, of her <laughs> acting ability. If you're out there, Michelle, and you're listening. 
<laughs> she's, she's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm going to talk about she's looking her age. She was in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I mean, Michael Douglas is looking his age just as much. I'd, I'd, I'll be honest with you, I still would. <laughs> Watch the movie. Watch saying. the movie, yes. of course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure somewhere someone's going to tweet her and go, Liam, Liam Wood. And she's like, oh, excellent. Just the news I was hoping for. Um, so we're doing that. Uh, but before we talk about how much we love Michelle Pfeiffer, as Liam fans away, sweats, beads of perspiration from his brow. Um, we want to say thank you to those of us who have continued to reach out. Those of us, those of you who continue to reach out and let us know that you're enjoying the podcast. Dwayne Smith gave us another shout out. Seems like a weekly tradition to say thank Hello, you to Dwayne, Dwayne Smith. Thank you very much. Uh, he let us know that George is his favorite. So Dwayne, please Yay. don't please don't turn off the podcast now <laughs> because she's not here. But thank you for all your feedback and a, just a general shout out to the countries of Belgium. Belgium, yeah, they're our favorites. Woo-hoo. Belgium, I'm a. Big fan of Belgium. I'm a big fan of Belgium. It's not at all because Belgium's a big fan of us. <laughs> been to Belgium. R- rather liked Belgium. I've Excellent never been. chocolate. We oh, did. We, we did in Bruges. We did. We talked about doing. I think we even, we joked back then about doing an episode in Bruges. Yeah, we did. I think we have even more reason to do one now. Let's do it. I th- I think we should. We'll figure that out. Some road sort of trip. <laughs> some sort of reason to do to do a best film ever road trip. Yeah, boy. Um, Belgium. Let's do it, because that's a lot closer than the other big shout-out. Malaysia! Thank Yay. you, Malaysia. We're, we're, we're charting in both, both countries, which is wild. I love it. Because I was hoping we get, you. like, as we've said, I was hoping we might get three of our friends to tune in. Yeah. And the fact that we've got Belgium's, like, our th- there's more listeners in Belgium than Canada these days. I never thought we'd get in double figures, I'll be honest. Well, double figures as far as, like, total <laughs> listeners. Yeah, I never thought so. But we're doing considerably better than that. We are. So that's, that's excellent. So thank you. Thank you. Um, it's almost like we're... Uh, Living in a podcast paradise, <laughs> which is a very, very hokey segue into today's film, um, Dangerous Minds, 1995, directed by John N. Smith, who might be Canadian, if only we had someone who could check that up for us. I think John N. Smith might be Canadian. Uh, I know he did some films on um, inner city schools in Montreal. Maybe not films, maybe programming is the better way to do it. Just before he did Dangerous Minds. Oh, okay. So it's interesting. He is Canadian. He is Canadian. Everyone's Canadian. Everybody, <laughs> we are hidden among you. <laughs> They're infiltrating us. <laughs> Absolutely. So, directed by John N. Smith from 1995, produced by Don Simpson. Yeah, Don Simpson. And Jerry Bruckheimer, yep. who we saw before. Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder, five years ago. And that did not go well. This seems to have gone smoother, uh, at least with each other. Yeah. Uh, maybe not with the whole film's team in general, though. Oh, I know. Tell um, me more. Tell me more. We will. Mm. But it's not about having having a car. That was Days of Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's based, Dangerous Minds is based on the real life memoir by a woman called Luann Johnson called My Posse Don't Do Homework. And I'm going to say, Dangerous Minds is a title has aged a lot better than if you if you called this movie, if we're like, we're doing the 25th anniversary of my posse don't do homework. <laughs> yeah. That's it, that, that, that would just age badly, that don't you think? Aged, yeah. yeah. That would, yeah. So, um, but that was the original working title for the film. Okay. I think it's a good shift. Yeah. I think it's a good shift, a good right. pivot. Um, she was a retired Marine officer who then took up a teaching position in Carlman High School in Belmont, California. Mm. Uh, that community uh, is, is a largely impoverished part of uh, of California. Uh, there's a high African-American and Latino communities within that, but also a, a, a not small amount of white students as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's still teaching as of 2015 anyway, wow. into her 60s, yeah. 
And That's we'll, great. We'll talk yeah. about things like that. I mean, one of the big reasons is because she really didn't get any money for this. Oh, okay. So they, they, they the, the way it worked was, uh, in my research, I saw that um, she got, like, an amount of money up, up front as part, part of the initial, like, op, what, they, what they call an optioning. So when they took her book and said, we're going to make this, you get a certain amount of money then. But then in the contract, she was supposed to make, like, a certain percentage of the profits. Right. But thanks to some fancy Hollywood bookkeeping, oh. you just you know, divert that money into other aspects and sort of put it under Dangerous Minds' budget. So despite the fact that technically, like, if, when I give you the figures later, it did well. Yeah. She really didn't get anything for it. That's, that's travesty. Th- this, I think as we go through, we're going to hear, I think we're all going to feel quite sorry for Luann Johnson oh. by the time I'm done, unfortunately. So we need to understand that this has its foundation in elements of a true story. Yeah. Um, it's part of kind of that inspirational teacher kind of gimmick and we all have those movies we've seen where a teacher goes in and sort of changes the lives of the students around them i mean as a teacher myself i mean it's kind of this thing that you kind of was like cracked to us on your first day of um like teacher's college you walk in you go i'm gonna be like robin williams in dead poet society or coach like carter. coach carter or coach carter yep or like uh, Matthew Perry played a, a, a similar idea where he went into a largely multicultural classroom and was like, I am a teacher who will fix and save everything and I will reach every student and I will come from the outside and, and, and change and then leave because they always leave at the end and leave and leave them for the better, usually at my own detriment. One of my favorites is To So With Love. Point, yeah. See, that was referenced to some, some of my, the, stuff, the stuff I saw. Now, I'm not yeah. familiar with To Sir With Love. I know it's Sydney. Portier, and I think yeah. he may have won an Academy Award for it, he said. No, I don't know. He might have. You know. I believe, fact check corner, thank you. I believe when Denzel wins his Oscar, I believe he makes reference to Sid. I know he holds the Oscar up and thanks Sidney, who's in the balcony. Oh, good. I think it was because they're, they're, they're the two who have won. I could be wrong. I'm sure he's won an Academy Award of some sort. I don't know if it's for To Serve of Love. It could have been the Defiant Ones, I don't know. Don't know. I don't know. So, uh, released August 11th, 1995. So we are right coming up on its 25th anniversary. And as such, I felt what your opinions on this film are. I think it was worth going back and giving it a watch. Plus, I knew, Liam, that you would be well up for... Definitely. Because you're a big fan of the acting ability of Michelle Pfeiffer. (laughs) (laughs) I am, thank you. (laughs) Um, I mean, it was made for $23 million, and it made $180 million dollars wow. so that's never, I, see at the time i don't remember it being such a big big thing i don't know what it was here back home it was huge oh is it it was huge because that movie and that single because the single came out a few days before and it was just the, the single itself the video the video was huge over it here. was the best it was the best marketing you could do for that film yeah, absolutely. because they made michelle pfeiffer look effortless i always struggle with this word effortlessly cool she was as she, she has, and we can all see is that whole like leather jacket sitting backwards on the chair oh, yeah do we have an update nothing on sydney no, Portier. and no as in to for, for to serve with love well, just in general, anything about Sidney oh. Poitier in general. But no, he didn't win anything for Deserve no, Love? No Academy Awards. There's, okay, that's um, fine. The Directors Guild of America, uh, Grammy Awards, and Laurel Awards. He was that's fine. nominees for the first two and a winner in the last one. Uh, Debbie, do you have any memories of at least, because you haven't seen the, the, the film, but do you remember the single or the video? No, what was it? Coolio. Oh, Gangster's Paradise. Ah, uh, yes. I, when you said, when I, uh, I've watched the very, very beginning, just to check how long it was. I haven't actually watched the film. And as soon as that music came on, I was like, ah. Yeah. 
So that that track definitely has some memory, but I don't remember the video. Mm, I think maybe as part of our watching, we should watch the music video as well before we pick up uh, the, okay. the air. I think I, I think that, I think that should be something. And it's sampled from um, Stevie Wonder's Pastime Paradise, which I did not know until we spoke about that last week off yeah. uh, off the mic, and I was like, how. How do I not know this? Oh, no, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, because the, the, talking about something that, like that, that, that's that's definitely Coolio's song now. Like you hear that riff, you yeah. hear that, like you, you think, think of Coolio. No one thinks of Stevie Wonder no. with that. So well done to him. Okay. So I think now's as good a time as any to kind of uh, put a pin in it for now, and then uh, to come back out and in the. In the blink of an eye or blink, blink of an ear blink, blink of an ear if you will <laughs> we will pick this back up so it'll be something like two hours for us it'll be something like seconds seconds for you <laughs> just enough time to put a little instrumental stinger in there <laughs> yeah. and that is it so we will catch you on the flippity fluff flippity flop flop <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and welcome back uh, <laughs> yeah welcome back the blink of an ear for you uh, a couple hours for us yeah. uh, you know what I that was all right yeah. I was actually quite worried I was going to get to the end of this and go, oh, I liked it more than I thought I was going to. Oh, I love this film. Yeah. Um, I forgot how much I did love it. So we start off Dangerous Minds, Hollywood Pictures. I don't think they exist anymore. No, I don't think so either. But like, you know, when, you're, when your icon's at the Sphinx, I'm like, as far as film logos go or film studio logos go, that was all right. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get... I uh, think so. I think so. <laughs> nice. And then we get Simpson and Bruckheimer, and there were two lightning bolts. Now, we commented, I think you brought up the fact that now when it's the Jerry Bruckheimer films, yeah. it's just one stroke of lightning, but it hits a tree. Yeah. And I wondered if the tree is supposed to represent Simpson. Maybe. And it might be, because yeah. why would you use almost everything the same and then just do that? Yeah. So, interesting thought, maybe. Um. And so we've got the opening, and I've just got here, L.A. is rough. Yeah. We can tell because it's in black and white. Grainy. Mm-hmm. We can tell because there's graffiti, and graffiti is hard to see in black and white. I mean, you can see what it, it loses that impact, right? Yeah. Think, think of the Michael Jackson Bad album. Oh, yeah. Where everything's black and white, but the word bad is spray painted in red. Yeah. Right? To get across that idea. And so when you strip that, it's an interesting choice. But I don't know. I think that's probably because you want to present that it's... Uh, as Annie would say, it's a hard knock life. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well put. Uh, this is the only link I'm going to make between Annie and Dangerous <laughs> Minds. Thank God for that. <laughs> Forget the Dylan Dylan uh, contest. If you can <laughs> yeah. find anything between Annie and Dangerous Minds, let us know. Uh, on the socials, that would be at Best Film Ever Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and the Twitter. Twitter. Um, and then, I mean, as this is going on, we see homeless people in front of the school bus. There's a guy who was sort of had a shopping trolley and he was walking by. We saw a drug deal taking place right in front of the kids. And I think the bus, the way they, they, they didn't get that classic yellow American school bus. Yeah. This looked like a prison bus. Yeah. And I don't think that's unintentional. I think it was to make this look as hard as it possibly could. Yeah. I agree. But even though it was black and white, you still knew it was a school bus because you didn't see it say school bus until it had gone into colour. Yes. So you still, even from a very English upbringing, yeah. I knew that was a school bus. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, <laughs> Gangster's Paradise picks up. And uh, this is actually our second film in three weeks with a Coolio song in it. Because it? Rolling with the Homies oh, yeah, of was Coolio and <laughs> Clueless. Yes. So. Uh, uh, if you had said me to get, like, you know, you're, you're not going to have 
a single Leo DiCaprio film, but you're going to have two Coolio films within the first 20 some odd episodes. That's crazy. I'd have gone, I, 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 I don't see that. And on both opposites of the spectrum as well. Yes, yes. One was very kind of like, uh, well, the story behind that, just not to get a two of that, was um, Amy Heckerling phoned up Coolio. I, she has my speed dial or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Her people got in contact with his people and basically went, can you give us a song? And he went, oh, I'll get the song rolling with the homies. And it wasn't just a song. It was like a huge point of that film. It was, yeah. Take it to this song, which lyrically doesn't, like the, the characters are never caught listening to um, Gangster's Paradise, no. but it it sets the atmosphere, that haunting set of of mm. uh, notes, those singular kind of keyboard I think it's used notes. Twice in the film, isn't it? Well, it's in the introduction, and then we see it again yeah. when Shorty shows up. Yeah. So um, they got their money's worth. Definitely. And we just before we went on, we watched the music video again, and just to get our heads around it, and that's just a masterpiece. It is. That music video is so good. It is yeah. so good. Although she looks a little bit more. Uh, oh. And maybe that's a <laughs> provocative. Maybe 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 that's a good way to put it because the version we see of Michelle Pfeiffer in the Gangster's Paradise video, she's very made up. Yeah, her hair know. is her yeah. hair. Oh, the eyeliner is huge. huge you know? <laughs> it's, it's on fleek. The kids might have said a year or two ago. I don't know what they'd say now, <laughs> but um, and and her hair's perfect. The stylist has done it as opposed to the version of Miss Johnson we see meeting with the assistant principal. Yeah. And I just want to make sure I get this down right. Okay. Um, the guy, uh, Mr. Griffiths, Hal Griffiths, is that it? Hal. Yeah. Hal Griffiths says, I've got my friend here to see you to the assistant principal. She goes, it's, oh, is that today? It's not a good day. Which is the last thing you want to hear before you go into a job interview. It's <laughs> the yeah. person who's supposed to be interviewing you who your friend has gone as the go-between and you find out what I'm bothering them. And we find out that Mrs. Johnston is not certified, but she's got, um, sales and she's got um, and she got um, been in the Marines A level in literature a, she, got, she got an A grade, a grade. in literature oh, okay. we don't have A levels in the States from oh. Canada okay <laughs> uh, but but uh, she was was a Marine at which point we need to go you don't look like a Marine freeze for a moment <laughs> because when the real Luann Johnson was asked and was told we're going to do a movie we've optioned your book great they said, who do you think should play you? Ooh. She did not say Michelle Pfeiffer. Who did she say? She said Bette Midler. What? <laughs> <laughs> but I could see the sass. Now, if you, the more you read of kind of Johnston's whatever, the idea being that it's been, no, not this script. Okay. But that sassy, like, because apparently she was very good at the put downs with the kids. And rather than do what we saw Pfeiffer do in the film, yeah. it was a little bit more, I'm going to constantly assert my authority over these kids who really, really need it. So that would have been more of a comedy, though. Oh, I think Bette Midler. I think Bette Midler can do a serious. Yeah. I, I don't like Bette Midler, but I think she. I think she could have done this. Um, but they went, no, no, not Bette. They said we've got Michelle Pfeiffer, and Jerry Bruckheimer goes, I think she's too pretty to be a teacher. Yeah. Now he's saying this to the woman who is the teacher. <laughs> <laughs> but she kind of went, darling, like I care what you think. Oh, bless her. <laughs> and was just really good. Apparently, when they came in the first time, she went to him. Have you done any films I might have seen? They went, yeah, Days of Thunder. Top. She goes. Oh, if I'd known you were actually famous, I might have actually presented myself better. So she was not having any part of the Hollywood whatsoever. I love her already. Yeah. And so uh, back to the story here. And they go, you don't look like a Marine. And she goes, well, the tattoos are underneath the, the, yeah. the long sleeves and all that stuff. But it's true. She doesn't look like a Marine. And did we see anything in the whole film that suggested she actually could have been a Marine? Besides one weak-ass, like, 
response oh, to a karate yeah. pose. Yeah, no. yeah. There no. was nothing. She didn't nothing. do a single thing that made me go, yeah, you were a Marine. No. Okay. Mm. Like Jodie Foster in um, Silence of the Lambs. I be- Have you seen Silence of the Lambs? Yeah, yeah. I believed she could be an FBI agent. Yeah. I did not believe for a moment that Michelle Pfeiffer could be a teacher, yes. Yeah, but a not teacher, a Marine. Yes. Not a Marine. No. Maybe they didn't do a background check. Maybe she wasn't even a Marine and she just used it as a... Uh... A waiter. This is her life she leads with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I am a Marine. Which gets brought up for the first like day and we never come back to. No. 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 Um, exactly. And then she goes, all right. And you found out she's not certified, but they've got a job opening for her if she wants it. And it's for what they call an academy class, which apparently means it's the... Special kids. No. Challenging. That's the first word she used. Well, maybe. Uh, it's It's for... Challenging kids. Yeah. It's for more vulnerable students, you might yeah. say, in, in, in today's verbiage. Um, and so she goes, what a full-time offer. I was just hoping to do some student teaching. And she went, my teacher just quit today, so I need somebody. Now, let me remind you, she said, today's not a good, good day. day. Yeah. Sounds like today's the bloody perfect day for this <laughs> yep. meeting to happen, isn't it? Absolutely. Like, I'm just going... Did, did nobody proofread this script? Because I'm going <laughs> within like 90 seconds, it goes from not a good day to thank God you're here. Yeah, true. So anyway, and so I do have to ask at this point, um, of the many things that were impressive about Michelle Pfeiffer's or Luann Johnson's um, CV, her mm-hmm. resume, as mm-hmm. you will, in the States, um, her accent is not among them, I don't think. What was Michelle Pfeiffer doing in this film without accent? And that was up and down. It was very much, oh, oh, what's my motivation? I'm supposed yeah. to have the accent in the scene? All right. <laughs> yeah. Tell you what, I'll, I'll do it half a scene. How's that? <laughs> it was not, it was, oh. Michelle, if you're listening, I still love you. <laughs> and so the next day, she walks in and goes, oh, I'm assuming the lesson plans will be on the desk. Now, the thing you don't want to say as a teacher walking into teacher first lesson is, I'm assuming the lesson plans are there. <laughs> That's the thing you say before you go home the night before in case you have to do the lesson plan. And it's kind of like a, well, <laughs> off you go. And I've heard, I've never had the experience before. I've worked in some very good schools, but I've never had the, ex- I've heard horror stories from friends who have gone s- supply teaching, we'd say in North America, cover teaching, we'd say here in the UK. As, as, as you go in and you hear, yeah, yeah, there'll be cover work for you. And you open the drawer and there's nothing there. And you go, what do I do now? And you better have something in your back pocket. And Michelle Pfeiffer clearly had nothing in her back pocket. And she's even told, whatever you do, don't try and talk over them. Yeah. At which point in about 15 seconds, she tries to talk over them. <laughs> Her classroom management leaves a lot to be desired. And this is a really weird one to watch as a teacher because I am watching going, oh, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> oh, I do that. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I know I do that. <laughs> no, that one doesn't work. <laughs> so the whole writing of a name on the board. So you've been there and done all this. I have worked at schools that are like, <laughs> you need to write the name on the board because yeah, yeah. this lets them. And it just does. That's exactly like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big name on the board guy. I'm a big. Uh, do you understand that I want you to stop doing it? Yes. Tell me. You understand? Are, are we clear? Am I clear? Do you understand what we're doing? <laughs> then we move on. Yeah. But I'm not a big fan of the name on the board. I don't think it accomplishes thing besides go, look, I wrote your name. And her penmanship's appalling. Like the name takes like the entire board. And it's and it's like in like full like script. I'll be honest. That was me. I'd, I'd take up the whole board. <laughs> I feel like with the state of the class she's teaching, if she ended up writing everyone's name on the board, there wouldn't be enough space. Yeah. And no. they start chanting. And this is where we meet Emilio, really, for the first time. Yep. And he comes up because uh, she wants to know what happened to the previous teacher. And they're like, oh, we killed her. Oh, she dead. Oh, she crazy. And then Emilio gets up. And Emilio, we'll play the age game later. Emilio looks like he's 40 years old. Yeah. <laughs> 
And he gets up. Is that your guess? N- yeah. No. <laughs> and he says to the teacher, oh, I fed her to my dogs because she wasn't pretty. But you, I'll eat you myself. And she storms out. And this is going to be the first of many things I'm going to call problems the real Louise Johnson, Luann Johnston had with this film. Right. Because she would stop by and go, wait, this is the story of it ended up was nothing like the story of it she ended up with. So she saw that scene and went, if that happened in my classroom, I would have punched that kid square in the mouth. And the screenwriter went, well, that's a much more interesting story. She goes, then why didn't you read my book? And he goes, I don't have time to read your book. I'm trying to write this movie. Oh, my God. So wow. there's, a, there's a bunch of things that actually are better in her real life story. But they actually, outside of just going teacher, white teacher, poor neighborhood, fix them. Oh, that's okay. pretty much all they got out of it. And it's like they watched To Sir With Love and then just flipped it. <laughs> See, I've never seen To Sir With Love. Oh, yeah. Is this very, cl- is this very close? Yeah, very close. Okay. There's a guy called Denim in it who is iconic to... Wait, Denim? Like like denim. the material that you wear yeah, in jackets yeah. and yeah. skirts and yeah. that other thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his name is Hats. Denim. <laughs> He's the Emilio character. Is he? Yeah. Um, And so the kids are freestyle rapping. And it really comes back. I thought that might turn into something. Yeah. But it didn't. Um, and they call her white bread. Yep. Um, which I don't know. It's not the worst nickname you could have. No, but that was quite common, I think, back then. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. She goes and cries in the corridor, which again, she said, never happened. She said, I was a Marine. Yeah. Like a bunch of kids going, uh, uh, is it making me run out and cry? I no. was a Marine. Um, she calls them the rejects from hell with the accent from hell. It was not good here. <laughs> At which point, she got angry and louder, the accent got worse. Yes. And, like, her friend Hal comes over, because he said, I'm right next door. And like, oh, he's going to care about her. Nope. No. Tough, tough love. Like, opens and closes his classroom door oh. to get his attention. Okay, I'm going to make this a list, uh, if I may. Things that would definitely get you reprimanded if you worked in a school. That's number one. Like, I'm teaching my own class here. I don't mind you having a problem. Please come knock on the door, get my attention. I'll happily come out and help you. But that whole open the door and slam it, so you've just disrupted my group? Yeah. Great. So now, you know, we've gone from one class that's kind of not getting where they need to go to two classes not going where they need to go. (laughs) (sighs) So... Um, Be ready for more folks. <laughs> and he gives the worst pep talk ever where he basically says, uh, get their attention or quit. Yeah. And the previous day he was like, oh, you can't give her the academy class. Oh, this is, you know, yeah. Miss she goes, I'm, I'm dying to teach. <laughs> What'd you say? And she went, I'm dying to teach. <laughs> <laughs> but she was like, I'm dying to teach. <laughs> and uh, then he goes, I thought you were dying to teach. And I'm like, wait, wh- which one are you? Yeah, yeah, because her accent's back and forth, but so is this guy's like affection towards her. Yeah, yeah. I don't mean that in an inappropriate way. I just mean like he went from like I'm here if you need me to okay, you, you weren't really supposed to knock on my door. Yeah, if you don't like it, quit. I'm like, wow. Remember, all she wanted to do was be a student teacher. <laughs> um, and so we get one of those well, worst sort of. I guess this is the whole class because now she's at home. Yeah. So I don't know what else they did. No, she just sort of walked out. And I think she teaches one lesson a day. Because it was always just like that one class. Yeah. Like, did she have like a really brilliant class? The next thing, you know. Who knows? Because this was a full-time job just taking care of this group. Yeah, it was. But it didn't seem like it was like like a nine to three thing. 
No. If so, they really don't accomplish much. No. <laughs> and so she does a little late night reading. And this is one of those terrible tropes of films where for teachers, your job is your life. Yeah. And you go home and you read. I mean, you're not reading, you're marking. You're not marking, you're visiting parents. Now, trust me, teaching can take a lot of your time and your spare time. But hopefully you do find other pursuits like, I don't know. Hosting a podcast or something. <laughs> <laughs> Amateur dramatics. Amateur dramatics. <laughs> Bowling. Bowling, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but apparently it's reading. And to be fair, she reads this book. And it's like, first thing is, if someone misbehaves, write their name on the board. And this is the freshest thing about being a teacher. Because you will read two books. And one will say, never write their name on the board. The next book will say, write their name on the board. And if you wait six months, like the different ones become in vogue. Yeah, yeah. And you go to these training sessions, they'll be like, write their name on the board, and never write their name on the board. And you're just like, all right. <laughs> Learn um, on the job, don't you? I, I do think it's one of those things. Not that you yeah. shouldn't be trying to improve, because we should yeah. all be trying to improve. But uh, the number of people who – I remember when I was doing my teacher training back in Canada, and uh, we'd all done our undergrads, and then we went to teacher training, teacher's college, as we call it back home. And um, we went out for our first like student teaching exercise – and coming back, you could see there were like two kinds of faces. The ones who were like, oh, this is brilliant. I'm going to have a lot of fun with this. And someone else who went, okay, I don't really think I want to be a teacher, but what do I do now? I've got, <laughs> I've got my four-year degree and I'm here. Well, what do I do? <laughs> and um, it's those things where you kind of learn by, by doing. Um, and then she decides, I guess, in one of the books, it said, um, wear a leather jacket. Because mm. this was her move. I'm going to wear a leather jacket, put my feet up on the desk. A harder edge. As they come in. Have a harder edge. And the uh, Luann Johnson yeah. said, I never wore a leather jacket. That is stupid. <laughs> I didn't want to be their peer. I wanted to remind them I was in charge. And the way I do that is not by dressing like them. Really? Because that's kind of the opposite of what the whole film says to me, is that she's trying to mm. be their friend. Exactly. That, this is the problem Luann Johnson has yeah. with this film. It's not her story. It's Clearly. her name. And the names of the students are actually the names of the students. Really? Yeah. Wow. So when they did certain things in the movie, they were getting mad at Mrs. Johnson saying, we never did this. Oh, and okay. she said, I know. <laughs> but then the, the, they told this story. And it got to the point where she was eventually – like disqualified from coming on set. I can understand. Because she I, just, I won't, I won't, yeah. yeah. Because Bruckheimer and Simpson wanted their story. And uh, the director, uh, Mr. Smith, said that uh, he, Mr. Smith, he's like from the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said that because of what he just done in, in Montreal, where he talked, we had those, those inner city youths and was sort of portrayed that with a bit more edge. He took a little bit of that creative license and applied it to this story. But it didn't really need it, especially if we find out some more of the anecdotes from and tales from uh, Luann Johnson's book. Uh, it was better than what I think we saw at places. Mm. Um, so she writes on the board, I am a U.S. Marine. I'm glad she went U.S. Marine because otherwise, where else is she going to be from with that accent? <laughs> I am a Canadian Marine. I'm an us Marine. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have them. I am a mariner. Um, and she says, totally unrelated, I know karate, do you? Or do any of you know karate? Oh, I hate this scene. Which is, okay, why do you hate this scene? Because I'm not a fan of the scene either. Oh, it's just too false. <laughs> you just wouldn't have kids 
fighting in class, especially with a group of kids like that, you wouldn't encourage fighting in any way. Like, I imagine she probably saw like three fights on the way into the school. So what's the thing? Let's get them to simulate more violence. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And let's put them in a situation where one has to win and one has to lose, because that'll go well. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> what did you two think? And then, like, after that scene, there's every opportunity to touch is made. Yeah. <laughs> there are hugs, there are cuddles. Yeah. Like, well, actually, the, the, the producers wanted it to go further. They wanted the storyline. They wanted the storyline where she got romantically inclined with one of her students. I did wonder whether oh that was at some point going and, and, and the real Luann Johnston went, absolutely really not. not. And she yeah. went, I will sue you. Wow. And that's what stopped that. However, there's a few different characters. There's at least two where I'm going... Mm-hmm. What are you? What, what what are you doing here? Yeah, this is a bit. Yeah, a Roll. bit. <sighs> yeah, we'll talk about that when we get to that part <laughs> of the film. Yeah. But also, there was some really. Well, when we first saw Emilio, there's some I really wrote retention down, there. Um, older version of Kaniki. Um. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it was the leather jacket and that sort of look and that sort of style, and I was kind of like, "Yeah, he just hasn't left school." So. Just hung on. As yes. part of the famous karate scene. Well, what did you guys think of the karate scene before I talk about it? I mean, because we're, we're revisiting this. What did you guys think when you're watching it for the first time? I definitely agree that it's completely inappropriate for the for the class she's got. But I suppose it's just showing that she she understands who they are as people and is trying to engage with them. I think that's the point of it, I guess. But how different that is from reality, I don't know. Debbie? Um. I- I did find it a bit weird. I mean, at school, I did want to hit people, um, but teachers wouldn't do that. But um, yeah, I just like... <laughs> They're like making the matches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In this corner. I'm taking, I'm taking bets next week. That's how you learn your maths. <laughs> Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> one punch to the right, one punch to the left. How many punches have you done? No. Oh, um, but it was a bit... Just like I, I think he was, it was a bit of an... She was trying to find their level. But I didn't know that Marines did karate either. I didn't think that was I kind don't of believe the... this part's true. Do you either. know what I struggled with? I struggled with the yeah. fact that Michelle Fiverr's had no training in karate at all. And they've just said, <laughs> do this move. Yeah, apparently, because apparently one like semi-defensive thing <laughs> yeah, was, was enough to yeah. earn their respect. Yeah, no. I, um, I've always hated that scene. And, Sorry, so, and <laughs> speaking of things that were uh, uncomfortable, maybe difficult to watch, um, their attempts of karate, although... <sighs> If it looked at when it's 1995, it's L.A., what are they seeing karate for? Because they're aping their favorite karate movies, right? Yeah, there's a bit where There's a bit with, like, all sorts of sounds that they sort of make, which um, aren't really the most... It was... It was yes, it was insensitive and uh, troublesome to watch, I think. Yeah. But a bit problematic looking back because with, with she, because, because she's laughing. Yeah. And with today's eyes, of course with today's yeah, eyes. Yeah. In 95, I don't remember going, oh, this is wrong. We all went, okay, they're making fun of karate movies. Yeah. But now we'd go, okay, yes, but you're sort of extrapolating karate to mean a certain type of demographic and yeah, a certain yeah. personage. Yeah. Um, and because it caught on and she laughs and all this stuff's going on. But then she teaches them like this hip toss move and says, all right, and then you spin around and you put your butt towards his chest. And I'm like, at this point, I'm going, <laughs> okay, you've got a bunch of teenage boys. This is not going to go well. No. And it comes off. I can see why the real Luann Johnson. Yeah. Luann? Luann. Yeah, I can see why she had problems. And this comes off quite 
homophobic. And I'm not saying again that um, in 95 we were going, oh, that's what, uh, but, but it was, again, looking back with modern, it's just, yeah. it's, and it's just the thing, as long as I think we, we keep in mind that these are our sort of artifacts almost, if, if you will, of a mm. different time. And we're having the dialogue. Yeah, we're having the dialogue on these sorts of things and going, really weird to see that now, but we can understand, uh, maybe not endorse, but we can understand yeah. why that was present then and why for some reason we thought it was okay then. But obviously, this is a winner. And again, this is the part where you're going, is this working to this point? No. Because <laughs> there's almost a fight, but then she convinces him. There's the big judo toss, and he lands on the floor, and one of them is victorious, and one of them is embarrassed a little bit. And yeah, she has their attention, but is this good attention? No. And her oh. buddy walks by, and he kind of smiles. And we're going, okay. And apparently that was what they did that day, was they played karate. Uh, yeah, that's it. Because <laughs> this is what we would call in the teaching business a hook. It's a fun starter. So we caught the first eight minutes of her lesson. What else was she doing that day? Telling them they've all got an A. Telling them they've all got an A. If you, everybody's got an A, got you it. just have to keep it. Um, and the other guy, the guy who does walk by and smiles, like he's supposed to have a class now. Yeah, hell. Because we found out that he's next door teaching when yep. she's teaching. Yeah. I guess just one day a week. Because <laughs> he's just, he's got time to go walking around. Um, he gets one of the students to go out and teach the class, doesn't he? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So he's probably gone for a fag break. <laughs> and then we cut forward to the next day and a storytelling device that they had in this film was we're going to cut to the playground every time we need you to know it's the next day. You love that, don't you? The old playground. Oh, montage. my word. <laughs> How many times did we have them walking through playgrounds where people were playing basketball and listening to boom boxes? Oh, love me, boom box. love me a boom box. Love me a boom box. And they go, what karate are you teaching us? And she's going, what about karate? And she's like all mad about it. And I'm like, well, no. The kids are just doing what you've trained them to do. Yeah. Oh, you're the teacher who teaches us karate. Why would I do that? Because you did yesterday. Yes. That's how it works. <laughs> and then she starts to talk about, I had green beans for dinner and goes, what's the verb? And even I'm going, this is dull. It, this is terrible. And then instead she writes down, we want to die. Yeah. And then crosses out want and says, choose, choose. to die. And she's trying to get them to say, or we must die. No, they just come up with must on their own. Yeah. And what's the verb? And I'm like, all right. Uh, interesting. Interesting. Mm. And she goes about the – I guess it's part of her idea that life is choices. And mm. another one of those things I'm like, yeah, well, you make the right choice. What are you choosing to do today? Yeah. Um, and so instead she goes, well, what were you reading last year? And apparently – or before I got here. Before she got here, it was my darling – my Hamburger? Yeah. Yeah. I just want to read this book if it really exists. <laughs> it sounds dark. Go and buy the cover. It looks like some sort of... Um... Look like a trashy romance yeah, novel. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping there'd be a scene where she'd be like reading like it at home going, ones, what is this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Novel by Paul Zindel. First published in 1969. Oh, that's a real book. Okay. Yeah. Is, there, is there more to it besides a publishing date? Or? Just telling you that it exists. Okay, the book's real. So I will have to, maybe in a future thing, I will tell you about my darling, <laughs> my, my hamburger. <laughs> Ode to a Big Mac. Is there With any more you want to know? <laughs> nope. Uh, and then she's called to the principal's office. And the vice principal comes in and tells her this in front of the class. 
And I'm like, well, that's not very good. And as soon as the vice assistant principal's like out of earshot, she makes like a face and the kid's like, oh, you're in trouble. <laughs> and I'm like, you don't do that. No. You don't sell out every other colleague to win favor with your class. No. That's not how it works. Because those kids have more than one lesson in a day. Mm. And those kids might go by the assistant principal or the actual principal. And if they go, well, Miss says we don't have to care what you think anyway. She's pulling faces because kids will out you in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can't be that person. I don't know, back to... Uh, to <laughs> I feel we'd be having a different conversation on the podcast if we weren't a teacher. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think you're right. And they go ahead and they go... We understand you were teaching karate to your students yesterday. And what do we think of the principal, actually? It's the first time we see him. He's a dick. Oh, I, I wanted to like smack him. his face. Yeah. He's, he's a soft-spoken I think the casting was important that he was played by a black actor. Yeah. Because if it was played by a white actor, then it's just he doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah. And I think by playing a black actor, we go, it's not a race thing. It's... A bunch of characters in this film actually have have sort of um, pigeonholed or put these kids into a a box of this is what we think your life's going to be like. Yeah. And yeah. don't try and move them from this box, which is fine. In cert- well, it's not fine, but it's it's somewhat understandable, except for it tended to show up in places that should have people who want – should have aspirations for these kids. Mm. One of them being the principal. Exactly. He should be wanting to see them have their best opportunities that they can. Yeah, he weren't very forthcoming in anything. No. He was just shutting people down left, right, and center. Now, my question is, how did they find out that she was teaching the kids karate? Because as far as we know, only one other character saw the karate contest going on. Yeah. Yeah, how? How? Mm. How, who spends his time in the hall? The kids Maybe he is still best friends with her. In the hall and someone had Maybe. It. Hall Griffiths. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, And so... I mean, you could say, well, maybe one of them was talking and got, but that's, it, it was, it wasn't relayed well. One of your students told so, so we have to go with what the film gives us, which is Hall Griffith saw them, and then she gets ratted out for this and says, and also we choose to die, and she starts going, she starts ragging, I will fight the curriculum. I'm like, lady, it is your second day on the job. Yeah, get your feet in first. <laughs> like they just had a cover of a day before. I mean, like they can replace you. And replace you quite easily. I'm, oh, I'm going to use George's phrase: "Movie's got a movie." Movie does have to move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, good, good to get that. But um, so we get the idea that she's fighting against the establishment. Yeah, which is another teacher trope. Yeah, it's very tropey. And um, so then we get to marking, and Hall Griffiths is um saying how much of an idiot all these kids are who he teaches and he's grumbling and he's doing and I do the grumbling thing when, when I mark I will be 100% honest on that one but if I do well I'm like oh you're brilliant I'll just talk to the paper <laughs> but I'll go why why would you do this and the paper never talks back uh, speaking of paper though we have, they have no paper and nope. she's like well what do I do but somehow then she comes with like Xeroxed paper yeah. so whether she's using her big $24,000 a year she's going to get to buy Xerox paper I don't know <laughs> and so there's a montage. We have a new day, and she's got a new sentence on the board. Never shoot a homeboy. <laughs> and as she gets them to name the parts of speech that each word is, you get rewarded by candy bars, uh, chocolate, chocolate bars. Bar, yeah. And not fun-sized chocolate bars. Big, huge chocolate bars. Like, this is like the – like, this would be the house you would go to for Halloween because they give out the full-size <laughs> chocolate bars. I was trying to work out which ones they were. Was one, like – um. A butter something. A butterfinger? Yeah. I think one of them was a butterfinger. And a Babe Ruth? 
A uh, baby Ruth. Baby Ruth. Baby yeah, Ruth. Named yeah. after Babe Ruth, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, they go ahead and they go, well, we're going to teach you. Well, why are we learning this? When are we going to learn? Well, I don't think you could handle the big word. Oh, I could handle it. And it's poetry. And she happens to have it with her. And at this point, she promises if you learn poetry, the school board will pay for you to go to a theme park where the rides have never been as fast, where the hot dogs have never tasted better, where the lights have never been brighter. And as they leave, because she gets like about three minutes into the poem and the bell rings. And I'm like, you have the worst awareness of where you are in the lesson of any teacher that I've seen. That's definitely a movie thing, though. That always <laughs> seems to happen. Like it's, like, it's, 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 like, it's like a nine-minute lesson. And I just want to point out, this is supposed to be in L.A., right? Yeah. And then she took them to Santa Cruz, which is miles away. Help me out, because I don't know the difference here. Well, you got like San Francisco. you got Santa Cruz, possibly... In the middle-ish, and then you've got L.A. further down. Oh, okay. But I, that's like a good hour. hour oh, is it early? It's, it, it's a big trek. It's a big trek. Okay. <laughs> it's not just down the road. And as they're going out, and the bell rings, as we said, and they're all leaving, and she's looking despondent because, oh, my God, the lesson's already over again. Well, maybe if you weren't giving out candy bars the first 55 minutes. <laughs> so they're making play for <laughs> Jeez. Um, one of them stops by and says, you better be for real. And I'm like, oh, whoo. And if you notice, I was the quiet lad. The one who yeah. says nothing mm. in the lessons. Because Emilio had said, um, it's not going to happen. This is BS. School board never gave us anything. Why would they give us anything now? To be yeah. fair, he's not wrong. The school board's not giving him anything. No. So, um, and then the smart girl, whose name is Cassie? Callie. 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 I keep making the mistake on this. Callie. California. Got it. <laughs> Callie goes, if you want to get the class to listen, get Emilio get to Emilio, listen. Emilio, yep. And she responds by going, I'll get you, you little f***. <laughs> little bastard. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. This is how we know she's hard, because she swears. Cause she swears, yeah. Um, and then this, she has a conversation with Hall Jennings. Hall Griffiths. Hall Griffiths. <laughs> Hall Griffiths. About his we favorite, like our nicknames. About his favorite poet. <laughs> and uh, he kind of says it's Dylan. And it becomes very obvious about five. Okay, yeah. I think so. Ladies, was it obvious they were talking about two different people here? Yeah. It was, definitely. I don't know. Okay. Because he, she's you know speaking. Bob Dylan is? Yeah. Okay. She's speaking about Dylan Thomas, the poet. Yeah. He's speaking about mm. Bob Dylan, the singer. Now, to be fair, is poet the word you're thinking of? I mean, if you're a big Dylan fan, maybe. But if you're, if you're Hall Jennings, Griffiths, if you're Hall Griffiths, <laughs> wouldn't you be like, now, I know you might not think he's a poet, but Bob Dylan's awesome. As opposed to just saying, yeah, Dylan. I think the problem with Bob Dylan is he started off as a poet, didn't he? And then just started playing music to... Bob Dylan? Yeah. Really? Yeah, poetry, yeah. Huh. Mm. So, Bob Dylan, this isn't necessarily purely accidental. Bob Dylan named himself Bob Dylan as a tribute to Dylan Thomas. Wow. There you go. Yeah, that's so cool. So maybe more so for our American listeners. Yeah, but yeah, yeah there's, a, uh, yeah. there's a thing there where Bob Dylan, yeah, that was his namesake. That is cool. Because his real name is... I don't know. Robert Z. It's like a sort of a Z. Oh, like Z. It's like Zakaya or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So he adopted the name Bob Dylan as a stage name because that's what he did in the uh, 60s and 70s. Easy and catchy, isn't it? Bob Dylan? Yeah, probably better than whatever this is. Uh, I think it's Robert Zimmerman, I think. Yeah, Robert Allen Zim- and let, Zimmerman. Uh, I did not grab a phone or look well for it. It just you. came to me. <laughs> well done, you. It came to me. Um, so 
And then she teaches them Mr. Tambourine Man. And I, lo- I just love Mr. Tambourine Man. Yeah, 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 it, it's a great tune. Yeah. It's a good tune. Uh, and there's cutaways to Emilio, and he ain't feeling it. Nope. Nope. Um, but one thing I have to say about Emilio, his acting is all done by his eyes and his look. I meant, to, I meant to look it up again, but there was someone who was referring to, I think it was the guy who played Raul, said about uh, the actor who plays Emilio, whose name is... Wade Dominguez. Wade Dominguez. And said, if it hadn't been for the fact that uh, he comes to a rather tragic end yeah. in, in, in real life, uh, he would have been a huge star. He would have huge, been. Huge, huge, huge star. Yeah. He captivated that audience of us watching because he drew your eye. Even with mm. Michelle Pfeiffer on the screen, who I adore, he drew your eye. There was something about him. He didn't say much, but when he did say it, mm. just... Now, back to the things that Luann Johnson hated about the film. She did not teach them anything about Bob Dylan. Oh, okay. She did what teachers should do, in a sense, where it's get the kids on their turf, if you're going to go off board. And she taught them using a poetry, using rap lyrics. Oh, which cool. would make sense. A lot of sense, Wouldn't definitely. it? Yeah. But to go... Appreciate Bob Dylan. I think you're asking a lot for teenagers Different in South Central LA yeah, yeah. to like yeah. Bob Dylan. Yeah. You know, you might not like these old. De- I mean, to them, Bob Dylan may as well be Dylan Thomas. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, get them. The thing that would get their attention is take something that they think isn't school because it's what they do. The, when she walks in, they're freestyle rapping. Yeah. This is the better movie. You take that and you make something out of that. But why can't we do that? I'm going to steal a little bit of what I'm saying later, but because Roger Ebert mentions it. But he goes, because audiences don't know rap, but audiences in 1995 would know who Bob Dylan is. Uh. The people who would be paying to go see this, they know Dylan. So actually, the movie works in reverse. The trick isn't on the kids. The Uh. trick is on us. Uh. So we relate to them through Bob Dylan, not the other way around. So I'm with Louis Johnson. I'm going, geez. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, I, I did love this movie. Himself. But cutaways to Emilio Estevez. <laughs> Emilio Estevez? <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't know he was in this. <laughs> He's a duck. Quack, quack, quack. No, He's a young gun, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> you got to be a winner. <laughs> um, Why don't you pull the trigger and find out? <laughs> I'm just going to riff on Emilio Estevez lines. Um, And so Emilio, and he's not having it. And she says, I'll draw you for it. High card. And he goes, well, I don't have to draw. I'm I'm already in the situation now where I don't want to read. I'm not going to do it. And then just as she's thinking something to say, the bell rings. And I'm going, and she goes, oh, I hate this. And I'm like, no, you look like you had like 50 minutes of actually really good teaching on Bob Dylan with these kids. Because they were all sort of riffing on the idea of, okay, a tambourine man is a drug dealer. Yeah. Of course, and the kids just start talking about like cocaine and all sorts of random stuff. And you'd be like, come on, back on task, yeah. back. And she's like, they're learning. Not, not really. <laughs> <laughs> you said drugs, and they just went, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know a little bit about drugs. Um, uh. And so back to Hall Griffiths and Luann. Luann? Yeah, Luann. Yeah, Luann Johnson. Luann Johnson. And um, we find out a little bit that. Hal was best friends with her ex-husband. Yeah. As we found out earlier, they're they're divorcing. um, And we get the idea from Hal, Hal, that he's he's being an ass. He's not being respectful. Yeah. As soon as they've split, he's either said things or done things or chased skirts or whatever it is he's done to disrespect his ex. Now, there was another angle for this character. She was going to have a love interest in this film. 
Okay. And they filmed it and they cut it all up and left it on the cutting room floor because they felt it broke the pace of the movie. Right. I might have preferred it because I've kind of gone on my rant about how you have to have more than just I live 24-7-365 for these kids. Because one of the criticisms we get later is that she's a bit obsessive about her students. And I think you, you can kind of look at this and go, you're not wrong. No. Based on what we see. Do you know who played the guy? I do know who played the guy. Okay. Who? You probably knew him and didn't love him in Ocean's Eleven. You hated him in Ocean's Eleven. He was the bad guy. Andy Garcia. Andy Garcia. <laughs> yeah. Andy Garcia. Really? Is the, he was yeah. the go-to guy in the nineties. He was the. He had a good, good run. Yeah, he did. Really good run. And so Andy Garcia was going to be the love interest, and I'd be really interested in. I, I would love to see a director's cut and see that version of it. Yeah, me too. That would be really quite interesting. I quite like Andy Garcia though. It would have been interesting to see what those scenes had done. Yeah. Because it would have been good for her to have another outlet to speak through, to explain parts of the movie that were coming up or her internal struggles. Yeah. That's not just to her to the teacher, but let her speak to someone who's not in, in the school system. Yeah. And so, um, but this is where you find out that, he, you know, how Paul, how he's a good guy deep down. Yeah. And she's, and she's good as well. So another playground montage for a new day. Oh, hang on. Before that, <laughs> okay. I had... They had the biggest plate of nachos in front of them and did not touch them. <laughs> and they sat at the bar. I just went, eat the nachos. I Look really at hate that in films where people leave drinks and food behind on the bar and it's just like there for a scene to... You see, the problem is the minute you start eating it, yeah. it becomes hell for the continuity people because they keep track oh. of how how high the plate of nachos were and if you had like a little bit of sauce or if you had like, the minute you start touching it yeah, it just ruins I, everything i get it but it just makes me really annoyed and i hate it in real life i so hate people leave doing one take i hate like tv and films that show teachers marking in a pub <laughs> i have never marked us how could you thing concentrate in a pub? in a pub no and so then we get to um oh the playground montage they're all playing basketball and stuff what if this was 2020 yeah like the kids aren't talking to each other they're all looking down at their hands just tweeting yeah yeah. that's all it is it's not nearly as loud no everyone have headphones headphones in so yeah instead of big boom boxes yeah it wouldn't be so noisy wouldn't be noisy you wouldn't have any of the energy no no (laughs) um and then we get uh a fight there's a fight there's a fight between raul and emilio emilio and raul's is his friend yeah they're both the same height yeah, I thought they were brothers for a bit, but they're clearly not because they're different homes. Mm. So, um, and they go ahead and she breaks up the fight, but she kind of embarrasses Raul by saying about Emilio, "You're twice as strong as these guys put together," or something like that. Yeah. And so she brings them promise they won't fight, and they give their word they won't fight. And then two seconds later, one of the girls tips them off and goes, "You know they're gonna fight." <laughs> and sure enough, they are. And is she the only teacher in the school? I oh, know. Yeah. Because like no one else is there. As far as I've seen, there's two teachers in the whole school. Yeah. There's Hall Jennings, who teaches one lesson, then stops. Hal. Hal. Not Griffiths. Griffiths. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I think I've kind of committed to Hall Jennings at this point. Hal Griffiths. <laughs> Hal Griffiths. <laughs> Renamed him. Uh, and then um, and there's her. And what's really interesting, though, is just a little quick aside. She's now been teaching about Bob Dylan for about, I don't know, three, four, five weeks at this point. At least. Um, like, she got dropped in on twice on her first day. They had to tell her off because she was doing a bad job and apparently never stopped to see her again. Mm. You know, Strange. don't shoot my homeboy apparently was allowed on the board. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And so Fight Night Part 2, uh, and it gets really violent. I mean, like, Emilio, like, throws him, like, headfirst into the locker. Yeah. But they this get, was a dirty fight. They, they get Emilio as fight. well. It's a bit of a, it's a dirty fight. And it was really weird because I was looking out of instinct for, like, the cell phones to be recording the fight. Oh, okay. Yeah, not back then. Not back then. <laughs> no. And so, Big camcorder. Yeah. <laughs> so then the school security, which does happen in some schools yeah. in the States, yeah. they break the fight up and they put them into two like security cars. They're not really police cars. They're, security, they're splitting them up. And she goes to Raul and says, you promised me you weren't going to fight. And he sort of says, well, you were a Marine. It's like America standing up for themselves. I'm like, I don't think it's exactly the same. But in case we miss the the, the, the moral here, uh, Johnston, Michelle Pfeiffer, goes to us and goes, oh, and that's why you had to fight him, because you had to get back your honor for what I said. <laughs> and I'm like, just look at the camera and say that next time, would you? Because that's about <laughs> your audience. They were right. A little wink at the end. <laughs> I understand. I wanted the little girl from The Crow back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to defend Michelle Pfeiffer here. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, I just love her. Oh, you just love her. <laughs> it's not really a great case. <laughs> no, I think I think the error is more in the script. In it's that the one. script, yeah. yeah. Not Michelle. Not Michelle. Um, she not, can do no wrong. Not, not Fife's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so then, oh, she's instantly forgiven. Just like that. Like he's so mad and going, you don't know what it's like. Goes, I've just had this fight. And she went, oh, I embarrassed you. I should that. He goes, that's okay. Well, you're just trying to do your best. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, man, teenagers hold the grudge a little bit longer than that. Yeah, yeah, Usually yeah, yeah. just till the next day. They're pretty good yeah. about getting over it. But it wouldn't be like, well, adult, now that you've admitted your mistake, I'm not going to lord it over you. I'm just going to go, well, you tried. <laughs> um, and then this is when she gets the idea. Oh, then she goes and talks to Emilio for a bit first. And it was another one of these weird scenes where there's a lot of tension in the air. Is it just me? I, mm-hmm. I thought there was a lot of sexual tension between no. Emilio and jo- and, and Luann. Mm, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then it just disappears at a certain yeah. point. It just yeah. goes. Mm. But until the movie needed it to be gone, it was here. But I think with um, the way Wade acts, it was all in facial expressions, looks and stuff, which creates tension. You can't so, come to bed eyes. Yeah. Well, no. He... You, you could read more behind what was going on inside rather than him expressing it by words. So All right, so maybe that created the tension. That's what you thought. I think there was sexual tension. Debbie, you thought there was sexual tension? Yes, yes, Ellie? I did. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Okay, Michelle Pfeiffer, if you're listening to this podcast, would you uh, get in contact and let us know? What do you mean if? She's definitely listening to the podcast. <laughs> What's the my, tension between you and Wade Dominguez? My pal Fife's. No, not, not the actual actors and actresses. Oh, that would be a story. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so she decides to do some home visits. And I thought, oh, this is going to be the one home visit she's going to do this movie. Nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> but she's walking through the neighborhood. And you can tell it's a bad neighborhood because the shot follows her from behind, what we call a tracking shot, because it keeps the same distance behind her as she walks. But it's clearly – doesn't have a stabilizer, so it shakes a bit, and that makes you feel uneasy because we like things to be smooth. It suggests that what's going to happen is going to be smooth. And not once did anybody challenge her or take the mick out of her or... No, which I think is interesting because I think we're supposed to go – Oh, it's a rough neighborhood. But then you find out it's not a rough neighborhood. It's just a, just a poor neighborhood. Yeah. Well, you get the scene beforehand with the receptionist as well, where she asks why there aren't phone numbers on three of the records. And she says, well, sometimes they don't leave a number and sometimes they don't have a phone. Yep. 
I thought that was quite a powerful little mm. mini scene. And she was, and this is her trying to fight and win every kid back and all those things. Yeah, and, and there uh, were a lot of sirens. There was the police sirens, dog barking. So you sort yeah. of, that sort of came in on you a bit. So you knew, okay, this is a bit. And she it's a dangerous place. And she gets into Raoul's home, and like Raoul's father is like ready to like kill him. He will be severely punished. No, 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 no. He didn't do anything wrong. And I'm going, (laughs) he kind of did. I I know for the sake of the movie, you want me to go, no, but no, he kind of did. I think she was a bit more tongue-in-cheek about it, though. What? Really? I don't think so. I think I I just got the feeling she was trying to make it. I think she was covering. Trying to cover it. Yeah. 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 And so, so, okay, yeah. Like, she told her, okay, so yeah, tongue-in-cheek in the sense that she wasn't being sincere. Yeah. But it wasn't like tongue-in-cheek, yeah. like, you know, oh, no, oh, no, no, oh, no, no, he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> wink, wink, dad, you know what I mean? <laughs> but but then she does, and this is a cool part about the job, is that she gets to kind of tell the parent, here's who you think your son is, here's who, you're, here's who I see your son as, and it might be different from what you see them as, because you see him as this boy who grew up. Let me tell you who I see them as, and it's the best part of the job that I do, is when you get to tell a parent, Hang on a second. I stop you. I just brag about your kid for all because your kid's doing great. And here's some work they've done. Mm. And let me change the perspective of how you see your child, your son, or your daughter. Yeah. And those are really good moments. And those are fun. fun. Yeah, those are rewarding moments when you get to kind of go, let me help you see your kid in a different light because they're not who you think they once were, maybe. Yeah. And you yeah. see that happen. And you see the power that has on Raul. Yeah. Right? Big time. Mm-hmm. And so we yeah. see that apparently she's just the same for the other boy. Who we don't get as much of, but man, before she goes to knock on the other boy's house, there's like a police chopper that goes over. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, yeah. I, I'm like, I get it, it's a bad neighborhood, but this is like four stars on Grand Theft Auto. Like, <laughs> come on! And um, then she's there the next day, and the kids are freezing her out. Yeah. Now here's my thing, because these kids know how to misbehave. We saw that earlier in the film. Their yeah. version of misbehaving now is we're just gonna sit in complete silence. Yeah, which is... I'm like, well, you showed her. <laughs> and then he goes walking by. It looks like you've got those kids. <laughs> like, they wouldn't, like, respect her enough to sit down earlier. No. I was just going, oh, there's got to be better ways. But eventually you find out they're mad because she snitched. And even one kid goes, snitches get stitches. Yeah. And I'm going, whoa, that's not good. No. It's a hell of a threat. And then finally, it's Emilio who goes, read those lines again. And she's trying to read Dylan Thomas. She's finally off the Bob Dylan thing for a minute. But she's off the, or is she off the, this is the dying of a light, right? Yeah, yeah this is. And she goes for that. And he says, read those. No, no, going underground, isn't it? Oh, it's going underground. Yeah, hold your head up high. Yeah, hold your head yeah. up high. And so um, they do that. And, but this is where she does the big speech. And it's about choices. And you choose. Yeah. Well, you, she says, you can go. No, I can't go. No, you can go. Well, I don't get my diploma. That's right. You don't. That, that, that is the choice. Yeah. The Venn diagram of not being in class, but get your diploma. Those two circles do not intersect. No. So she says, you choose. And then someone says, well, you choose to be here. I choose to be here. And she goes, yeah, but you should be here for the money. And she goes, I don't get paid that much. And I'm going, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody gets into teaching because they want to be loaded. <laughs> I don't think it's yeah. that. You know what I mean? There are There are other avenues you could go into for for that uh but she says there are no victims in this classroom great line great line and and, and, mm-hmm. and it's a good it's, it's a good little speech it's yeah. a good little speech her accent's gone for about three quarters of it of course but <laughs> i totally believe in this um there's no victims in this classroom because it doesn't matter what background you come from 
you choose how your future is going to play out. You know, as, as you get older, you make your own decisions. Mm. No one else is making them decisions. You don't let your past hold you back. So, you know, you understand where you've come from. You learn from it, but you don't have to hold on to it. Yeah. And I think that's what she was saying. There's no victims in the classroom. You don't have to be a victim. Also, the danger of labeling yourself a victim and what that does. Yeah. Because if you label yourself a victim, then it means you become passive and you sit back and you have an you have uh, you blame the out. world. Yes. You blame everybody else and yourself. Sometimes what happens on a result of that is they stop trying. Yeah. 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 And uh, you definitely don't want to see that. And so this is where. Sorry, go ahead, Debbie. I was going to say, I, I love the bit where she said that you are the ones who've already got on the bus. Yeah. So you've actually made the first big step. You, are, you have made a choice to be here. So you've made a choice to not be on the streets. So actually, she's also, you've done the biggest part already. You just need to keep that going mm. and don't let go of that. And so there's this great bit when they all sort of leave after Emilio's kind of, and of course, Emilio buys in for two seconds and the bell goes. <laughs> because the class has this really intelligent conversation out of nowhere. Yeah. Like they've all just, they've all just been sitting on this profound knowledge and it, it just comes out of them instantly just because Emilio started to speak. There is this fallacy in, yeah. in, in, in teaching films right. where like as soon as one kid gets it, every kid gets it. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you, that ain't how it happens. And they're, and they're all giving you this amazing poetic insight with like gr- grade A kind of level answers about how there's a hidden meaning behind the words. And it's like, really? No. Oh, and also it's about the only scene he's not wearing a leather jacket. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's one no, of those... I'm in this now. Yeah, I'm exposed. I don't have my, 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 my shield up anymore. Yeah. Uh, and this is where he finds out that he really respected the home visits and when that was, that was, that was cool of her to sort of broach that line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the positive report and the ability, what happens when you praise a kid who's never been praised? Yeah. Or what happens when you praise a kid from an institution, from maybe they've been praised for sports or aggression or these things, but never for, for academics, never yeah. by a teacher, never for English, never for poetry. And so um, then we cut to the school trip. Um, and it's just basically a lot of shots of Michelle Pfeiffer's mouth being very wide open as she's like riding down this roller coaster. And how much was she hugging Emilio? Oh, jeez. Yeah, I did notice that. How, so much, like, how much was she hugging like half everyone. the male students she had? She okay. hugged the girls as well, to be fair. Mm. Okay, not making it better. <laughs> <laughs> just saying it's not so then, necessarily... I'm not a student. Driven in um, that way. And so, it is cool part was when she was called on it by the assistant principal, or the, it was, it was assistant principal, and she goes, well, what's going on? And he goes, well, well, I, I just, I heard all the kids were going after school, and they invited me along, and I was so moved by their invite that I paid for everybody. But it wasn't a field trip, because she's, she's made no, like, documentation, there's been no forms, there's no, no insurance, there's no anything. And I'm like, okay, you'd be fired for this. But didn't well, anybody say any- to it. Point. Be fired. They go, okay, that whole class is not there. Um, are we supposed to believe, was it during school? Surely it can't be during school time or else she would have yes. been like bunking work. My understanding is that she took them during school time. That's why she's been taken into the principal's office predominantly. That's why they kind of know about it. Like there wasn't any notice given to the Yeah, but I, mean, I would have meant like what was, what was her other classes? Yeah. <laughs> Who was teaching them? Unless she's getting 23000 <laughs> get there? Unless she she's getting $23,400 a year to like teach one lesson a day. That's how the film presents it, is that they're her only class. Yeah, but it doesn't feel like it's like a four-hour, six-hour lesson, does it? No. And so uh, we have the Dylan Dylan contest. Uh, and all of a sudden, all the kids become the world's biggest poetry fans. Mm. Because the, pro- <laughs> the promise is, if you win, she's going to take you to the fanciest restaurant in town. And I'm going, this is a bit 
Like it was, it was dodgy before, but now it's flat out sketchy. So do you think maybe this yeah. was them angling for that love interest? Yeah, maybe, I don't know. That was the script for that? Mm-hmm. And when Luanne Johnson, the real one, said no, they maybe, already yeah. had the script? Well, maybe, yeah. Because Cassie, no, Callie, Cali. California, yep. <laughs> Callie, Callie quickly figures out this is like this other Dylan song is like, is like this poem, Dying of a Light. Yeah. Um, and they figure it out and the award comes and they get hugs. Everybody gets hugs. Can I just say, I love the librarians' reactions as well. When as they the kids actually, they know where the <laughs> library like, is. Like, oh that, my God. that guy. I have to remember. I remember being in high school, and there were the ones where all of a sudden you'd see a certain type of student walk in, and you'd be like, "I didn't even know they knew where this room was." <laughs> <laughs> Surely he's here for. He's going to smoke a cigarette in the back, in the back <laughs> sort of corridor or something like that. That's got to be why he's here. Um, and so, um. Then all of a sudden she shows up and we find out early that Callie can't make it. Callie has to work at the grocery store. Which is plausible. Which is plausible. And she gave advance notice and here's the menu and says, I'll order you some takeaway. But then she shows up and it's just Raul. No, Jarrell. Jarrell can't make it. Because he's working too. But she never takes food for him. No. She hasn't spoken oh. to him to know what he would want, whereas Callie gave her a pre-order. Mm, a bit dodgy, but now it's just her and Raul. Yeah. And it does feel really... And she even grabs him by the arm and talks to me. She mm. does, and they go into this fancy restaurant, arm in arm, mm. and he's bought a new jacket. Well, he's got a new jacket. <laughs> that doesn't fit. He, he did buy it, to be fair. He, well, actually, he didn't, didn't buy money. it from a shop. He, but... he bought it on credit from... From an independent distributor, <laughs> shall we say. <laughs> the new high street. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is Etsy. <laughs> and um, I, I made a little note here. I was like, when they got outside the restaurant, the music was Days of Thunder. <laughs> it was. And yeah. yeah, I was thinking this is very uh, Simpson Bruckheimer who did Days of Thunder. I was like, this feels mm. very, I don't think it's Hans Zimmer doing the music on this. No. Um, and I, I looked it up. I couldn't find out who did the music. No, I, I couldn't really find the composer. Did I didn't look that, that, that heavily for it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we find out that he, well, he gets a, and it's very much like a date and he asks for a whole chicken and she asks for chicken, a whole right? chicken <laughs> and then they get a whole chicken for Callie. And um, they're eating. And she, he's trying to come across how he, he's going to be away from class for a few days because he's got to make some money back to pay for this jacket. It, because he didn't have anything nice to wear, though. And that's a little bit of a soul punch at the end of this thing. Why yeah. would you make the stupid decision? Because I don't have anything that can – even when I win, I lose. Yeah. And so she makes a deal. Okay, well, then I will lend you the $200. And you can pay me back on – um, Graduation. Now, I don't know if it's the exact same context. That part happened. Okay. She lent Raul $200 oh, okay. with the deal that you will pay me back on graduation day. Um, and so um, it's over. She drops him off. It's a little too... So in real life, did they have this? I don't know. I didn't get that specific on oh, it. Okay. I know what she lends him $200. Okay. And... Um, she goes by the grocery store and gives Callie her chicken. And this is where she says, I think you should do advanced English. I'm really struggling with why Callie's in this class. Yeah. Is that she just never has tried? I just think, uh, I think she's just put there because of the the background she comes from, maybe. Maybe she didn't try to start with. Maybe, maybe. she was just lazy. Mm. It's possible. 
You but know. I mean, like, there's like a clear marker between her and like the average kid in the class, yeah. let alone, you know, the ones, the other ones who are bright. I mean, she's like miles ahead of them. Mm. And movie's this is where we've got a movie. Movie's got a movie. And this is where we find <laughs> out that, uh, no, she's going to Clearview. And Clearview is the place where I guess you send, well, I guess it's just another school, but you send your pregnant girls to different schools. Yeah. And mm. so um, she's going to go fight this. Um, and we get to that in a later scene. She's trying to teach them a new poem now, and the skinny guy goes, "What are we gonna, What are we going to get this time if we learn this poem?" She goes, "You get to learn." And I'm going, "Again, hold up, Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> you have taught them that everything they do, you will reward." Yeah. <sighs> the problem with never-ending <laughs> rewards is this. Then it gets to the point where, like, we'll learn something about the reward. Well, no, I don't want to do it because nothing in it for me because you haven't taught them the intrinsic value of learning. Liam, if I said to you, do me a favor, pick a, you don't pick your beers up, but you may pick up your beer, I'll give you, I'll give you two pounds. You might pick your beer up, right? Yeah. Then what happens if I say, hey, Liam, can you pick up your plate as well? How much do I get for that? Well, nothing. I've just trained you to do the right thing. You get, you get rewarded. So what is there in it for you to? Yeah, exactly. I'm picking that plate up. No. This this is is a problem that Luann Johnson had too. She said, I didn't bribe them like this. Yeah. Okay. So, um. I want to hear her story. I do want to hear her story. I want to. I want to. I want to see a reboot. I want to see a remake, but with this time with Bette Midler. <laughs> <laughs> no, still with Michelle Pfeiffer and a dodgy accent. <laughs> and so the vice principal's taking on Luann and the idea about these girls get pregnant by choice, so we get rid of them. So again, though, we see this institutional setup that yeah. they're already thinking badly of their student body because if one kid gets pregnant, they're all going to want to get pregnant because <laughs> it's going to be like an iPhone. Kids love a new fad. Yeah. Uh, home visit number three, and this goes to Callie's house. Oh, okay. Callie, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this, this one doesn't go well either because Callie's mother is like, why wouldn't she go to Clearview? She needs to learn how to raise this baby because they're going to go ahead and they're going to go move out on their own. She goes, yeah, I'm going to move out. What I need to learn is how to raise this baby. And it's like, yeah, but your life doesn't end here. It's no. not, there's more you can do. And why would you limit yourself? And we have found out, thanks to the conversation with the vice principal, there's a 30-day count. That once they've, she's had the baby or once you've been away, for, you'd only be away for 30 days, at which point then it's pretty much impossible to get back in. They kind of rigged the system this way. Yeah. And so um, they cut to a shot in the stairwell where she goes, well, it's like when the other girl said, you probably don't even like men. And this yeah. is why you're, like, way too obsessive. And again, back to my point, like, she kind of is obsessive in this film, though. She is, but, I mean, Callie hasn't been that way towards her through oh, the whole film. This was a movie's got a movie And speech, then she, yeah. she turns on her. Yeah. But just so we forgive her later, it's, it's just like what my friend said. Yeah. And she went, I don't think you're like that. Well, then why are you bringing this up? Yeah. Clearly <laughs> you do. <laughs> and this is where we find out she's been divorced, yeah. which we kind of knew already. She had an abortion. I didn't know that. And just so we can forgive her, she goes, he beat me. Yeah. Because it was the 90s, and I think you had to say things like that. Yeah. Obviously, it's a much different conversation in today's day and age. Uh, yeah. But back, I, in, back in the I 90s. I have a question on this one. Okay. Sorry. Uh, what was the abortion law in the U.S. in the 1995? Uh, I, I believe, I mean, please, anybody who's out there, feel free to let me know. Uh, please respectfully yeah. if I get it wrong, <laughs> if, if I'm getting this wrong. But I believe the laws are, are, are very much, you, yeah, you can, you can go get, get an abortion. That, that's okay. But there was a massive yeah. stigma that came with getting an abortion, yeah. especially a woman who was married at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what would that mean? I mean, yeah. So, uh, and I think 
Mm. Also, you're selling this movie in America. And for them to get on the side of this woman for having an abortion, I think you had to say, he beat me, or else you're probably losing about 50%, if not more, of the audience at that time. It's a lot to open up to your student about, though, isn't it? Oh, my. And why did you need to bring it up? Huge. You wouldn't. I got a I got a divorce and he used to to to, to beat me up. That is or what you a might lot. actually say to a student. We split up. It's a long story. <laughs> Trust me, I've had my troubles. You know, mm. some of them aren't appropriate to be discussing as I sit here outside your doorstep. <laughs> Every parent's like, "Yeah, it's nine o'clock. Come on in." <laughs> yeah. Then. We go to Emilio and Blue Shirt, who we later find out is Shorty. And this is where we get our bump, 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 bump. I'm not going to jump in with this. Thank you. <laughs> and we're like, oh, oh. And as they walk away, we see there's a, a big – and it's all about Emilio's girlfriend. And I'm sorry. I did not catch her name. Clearly, they're beefing about this girl. Which is silly schoolyard. It is silly here. schoolyard stuff. I get the, Is he a student there? Yeah, I think he was, but yeah, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and as they walk away, the camera follows Blue Shirt, follows Shorty away, and they're like, "Oh, oh, you haven't done that before yet, movie. Why are you doing this?" It's a pivotal moment. Pivotal moment. Uh, oh. And then uh, we have home visit number four, where Luann visits Jarrell's house. Starts talking to the boys who are told to go inside and clean their pigsty of a room. Uh, she's called a white bread bitch yep. by the mother. Ooh. This never happened. And it was really um, difficult for Luann Johnson when she read this and said, uh, this is nothing that's ever happened. And so Bruckheimer's going, yeah, but surely in all your years, yeah. there have been some parent who resented you. And she went, for what? For trying to help their kids? Yeah. Why would they resent me for that? And it was one where the kids went, we never called you that. No one ever called you that. And she went, I know. Out of my hands. Didn't do this. And she said, why don't you go find some other poor boys to save? And a criticism of this film is that we bring in the white pretty lady to fix the Latino and black students. Mm. And we need the white. Mm. It's called the white savior complex. Now, part of the problem is that actually in the original classroom, it had more white students in it. Oh, okay. And mm. so it's a choice again by the directors with their casting to go, let's make them all minorities and therefore look at the good she's doing. Oh, okay. And there's nothing wrong with going, I want to help and I want to be in a situation where I make people's lives better. But they clearly just, because the problem with this is Luann Johnson went, you know, white people are poor too. Yeah. There are impoverished white people in communities as well. Yeah. And this film tend, tended to go, there was like a token white kid here and there, but tended to go, if you are, if poverty is a problem for minorities only, now while there might be a greater ratio of that, I think there's a nuance about what poverty means in general as well mm. that was kind of lost in elements of this. The more I and, hear about the real Rand Johnson, I want to know her story. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's worth getting the book, jeez. Yeah. Um, and there was a guy... The bit, the bit I say I did like about that scene, because I thought it was grandma, not mum. Oh, maybe it is grandma. That's but, possible, yeah. I, I, I literally went, oh, it's a grandma. And... um it was very much about the older generations are thinking practically thinking, well, my kids aren't going to, they need to pay bills and things like that. What is poetry going to do for them? Yeah. And that was the, the older generations sort of ideal. And it's like, well, that I need them to pay the bills. I, I don't want them reading poetry. And so that's where she had them. And there's a media okay. theorist called Paul Gilroy, um, who argues that the more that we present, um, 
people of color in these lights, in images, in media texts, fiction or not, the more that we buy into this rhetoric of um, people of color, black people, are more likely to be poor. Yeah. And likely to be unsuccessful and likely to come from broken homes. Da 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 da. Yeah. Um, it's the same logic by which we come from the generation that saw Band Aid. Yes. And how many images yeah. of starving Ethiopian children did we see? And yeah. then the thing is, for a generation, you hear the word Africa and you think of poverty. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because we've been conditioned to think of poverty. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But there are many thriving parts of Africa. But, you know, it, that takes some time to overcome that mindset to go. Yeah. But you've told me on – if I show on Comedy Central on a Saturday in this country, I will find, again, images of um, – and, and it's not that they're not true. They, they are true. But when that's the only image that comes to me, yeah. then it's hard to remedy that, um, that yeah. learned sort of pr- perspective. Because yeah. we did Band-Aid in the 80s and it was great. We've raised you know billions of dollars. Isn't that wonderful? And then to go – how can I help, but in a way that's not disrespectful? Because I really want to help. Yeah. How can I do that without seeming mm. like it's about me? Yeah. yeah. And so the Absolutely. things like this, when I looked it up, the Guardian's article from 2015, they had a retrospective five years ago, and they called this the most white savior film like ever made. And there was a little bit of it. Yeah. Here comes the because even the even the yeah. teacher in the room next door is white. Yeah, and the principal who's ineffective, he's black. Yeah. So here come the white people because yeah, they're yeah. the ones who get kids in teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It is Hollywood. It is Hollywood. And you're playing for a mass audience. Yeah. And Michelle Pfeiffer yeah. is – I mean Michelle Pfeiffer, this is 95. She's only Top a few game. years removed from Batman Returns. Yeah. She is maybe the biggest female star in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So probably going for her Oscar is what she's doing here. <laughs> And yeah. this is where um, Emilio's girlfriend, did we ever, what do we say her name might be? I'm just, no, it's, it's Angela. Angela? Okay. So Angela, yeah. It wasn't, it's not in the big list of the IMDb credits. She's just not like listed, okay. but I just found her somewhere mm-hmm. else. So Angela comes to um, Luann begging because um, Emilio's in trouble. Emilio's going to get himself hurt because he's got beef and this guy's going to kill him. And she says, look, are you too proud to hide at my house? He goes, no. She takes him home. Words I never thought I would say in a movie about – she's got a male colleague who's yeah. married. Who, if you want, What's an even better place to hide? You don't even teach that kid. Like no one's looking for you there. <laughs> yeah, true. But he's got family. Well, okay, maybe the danger could come to your house. But it, it was just – I never thought I'd have to write down the teacher takes the student home. <laughs> in my notes like I got home visit number five her house <laughs> with yeah. Emilio again do you think this is the original Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson no, I really <laughs> hope not jeez yeah. but how am but I there's go- also a part of it that Angela is begging her to, oh, yeah, to protect him to protect. And, and he doesn't want to go she is forcing him I think he does want to like, this is what you've got to yeah. do I think he wants to go but he doesn't know it's the same conversation we had with Raul earlier in the film where yeah. it was about um you know, respect and realizing where you are publicly and keeping your persona. Oh, if I can say, just join me back really quickly to Raul. When she says, I want you to give me the $200 back on graduation day because I know if you tell me, you'll be as good as your word. And he thinks about it and goes, I am as good as my word. I will do this. But he lied to her earlier. He's the same guy who won, I promise I won't fight. And yeah. then went fought two minutes <laughs> yeah. later. <laughs> just for those of us checking. Um, I do like this next scene though. 
Is this the one at her house? Yeah. Why don't you tell me what you like about it? I like the fact that she's speaking to him and she says to him, you know, you once said to me, how do I save your life? Yeah. This is, this is how I'm going to save I forgot about it. <laughs> Dad, it was a good part. And he does not speak at all. He, yes. all again in his eyes, he looks away, he looks at her and he looks away again, he does a thing with his chin. Like he's acknowledging what's going on and he's going to do what she says. That's interesting because for a guy who was out, outspoken as he was, and that was his defense oh. mechanism was to shout, usually profanities. Yeah. This is, mm. yeah. Um, for him to say nothing actually was quite powerful. Yeah. yeah. And I found that yeah. th- this scene is very, very powerful. Even though he shouldn't have been yeah. out of her house. <laughs> yeah. Um, that scene was very powerful for me. And so she wakes up in the morning, uh, goes looking for him, opens the room where he's supposed to be sleeping. I don't remember her knocking on the door. Just saying. She's not very good at knocking on doors either, though, is she? That's what I'm saying. I don't remember her. Yeah, we saw her earlier. She didn't yeah. knock. Yeah, the principal yeah. kicks her out earlier because she wouldn't knock on the door for a meeting, which at least if you're going to – it did establish that. Because here's the payoff for it. Um, she rushes to school and finds the principal. And the principal goes, you're late. And she goes, yeah, yeah, I know. But first this. And I'm like, lady, you are just the worst teacher. <laughs> but she goes, because oh, isn't the fact that there's like gangs out to get Emilio all the more reason to be up early and yeah. make it to school on time? Yeah. Like once yeah. he's not there, yeah. school's the next shout. Yeah. But she's late. Who's watching her class? Dunno. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're legally obligated for the welfare of those kids, but I mean, I get that this is important. This is obviously more important, but still, like, get there on time, get there yeah. early. Yeah. And he goes, and he, yes, he did come by, but I sent him away because he did not uh, knock. And then Michelle Pfeiffer just decides I'm going to say that same line over and over again because he didn't knock, because he didn't did knock, <laughs> because he didn't knock. <laughs> it's like she went, I got three different ways I want to say this. We can only do one. No, no, I'm Michelle Pfeiffer. I'm going to say all three of these, edit around it. <laughs> Good on you, Michelle. Um, and then, I mean, this is stupid. She's teaching the class, and everybody's looking really scared, and they're not even really doing much. And the assistant she's principal engaging, isn't yeah. She? And the not. assistant principal comes by and calls her into the corridor, and we are kept in the classroom. The camera's perspective is on the other side of the glass. We get to hear muffled, but we're kept separate, distant, almost like we're a kid mm-hmm. looking out and trying to figure out what's going on, and we hear that he's dead now surely the time to break this is not in the middle of a lesson no and she goes you're not gonna go tell him are you what what the people back in the lesson just pulled me out if you're gonna see me crying in a second yeah yes i i think i might well maybe you'll do it and she goes talk to them about death or something and the meaning of it i'll give it this this woman's fantastic at playing this role (laughs) she really was because i hated her and i should hate her yeah um and Emilio is dead. And the death happens off scene. They shot him like three blocks from school. Three blocks, yeah. The real story of what happened that day. Okay. Emilio shows up. His principal does send him away. But This he, is true. This is true. Oh. He stops by and I think he tells the police. And a policeman tails him home. A gang member follows Emilio to his house, pulls out the gun, puts the gun to Emilio's head, but is stopped by the police officer who gets rid of the gang member and sends him away. But now Emilio is like suicidal because he thinks he's going to die any minute. Right. And he's driving around with like liquor on him and just looking for death, death by cop. Right. And so then what happens is he phones Luann Johnston and she kind of talks him off the ledge and gets him into the Marines and gets him. Yeah. 
gets him into the Marines, gets him in the uh, I think it's the Marines, but the armed forces for sure. And Emilio today is living in California with his wife and kids. Oh what kind God. of happy ending? Isn't that the better story? Yes. Oh, oh, totally. story. Oh. oh. Jerry Bruckheim and Donson, what are you thinking? What are you doing? But I do Idiot. really love this scene in the film. I think it's really moving. Which, which scene's this? The bit where she finds out that Emilio is dead. Uh, okay, the bit in the corridor, the bit where she comes back in, or, or uh, all the, of it? The all combination, it. Yeah. yeah. I didn't like when she came back in, so I'm going to go oh, ahead and say, it. okay, she comes in and not just in says... A, not in a positive way, obviously. No, no, no. It was, it was heartbreaking. But, but goes, it's bad news. Yeah. And they all cry and she hugs. And this, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with a hug here, because when, if someone dies, I think, Maybe oh, you're yeah, all right yeah, here. Yeah. And hugs him and goes, I'm sorry. Um, and kind of just leaves it, just lets the moment linger. And we kind of fade out. I think. Have I missed anything there? How much further forward are we uh, when we get to the next scene? Because it's I like, that. you know, is it days past? Is it, it no, it's got to be quite some time because, yeah. um, because in a couple of days, we're going to see Callie come back. Saying it's been thir- it's been twenty nine yeah, days. Yeah. I'm assuming twenty nine days since she's had her baby. Oh, okay. so I think it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, which distinguished that. Was, See, I thought it was just twenty nine days that she'd been absent for. No, it's because we we haven't seen her leave yet. No, no. So no. we see it when Mrs. Johnson, she comes in and she says, you got an announcement. Now, it's changed because I thought it was the next day. And I'm like, geez, Louise. Yeah, I Because for once, out of all the days that could have used one of those walk and talks through the playground to catch us up on what where we are in the story, mm. this was one of them. <laughs> yeah. like, We've shot too much playground stuff. <laughs> Forget about it. Now, I haven't mentioned this yet. Michelle Pfeiffer's pregnant this whole film. Wow. Yeah. Really? So if you look at some of the things she wears, like when she's wearing a leather jacket ah. and, and she's got she's she's wearing a bit more trim clothes at that point. But when she's doing the speech in front of the kids, she's wearing a much more flowy kind of dress. I never noticed that. So she's pregnant big, big the whole jacket. time. Yeah. Wow. yeah. And so she gets up and she's quitting and they say, Is this because of Emilio? Emilio. And she goes, No, it's not just because of Emilio. It's because of Emilio and because of Callie and because of Jarrell and because of – and kind of lists all the kids who aren't there now. And I think it's Raul who goes, but what about those of us who are here? Which he's right. If you love us so much and you're so interested in us graduating, how come you choose to leave? Now, I believe the real Raul and the real um, Lou Anne Johnson was upset with this scene because I don't think she ever threatened to quit. And the idea that she would make that deal and then she would bow out – She's no, like, I would no, not do that. No. But the movie needed a third act, and the third the third act should be I saved Emilio. Yeah. That should be yeah. the third act. Talked him off the ledge, a really powerful moment on the phone or in person, getting in there, having her join up, have the Marine sergeant go, Nice to see you again, by the way. Yeah. You still got those karate moves. That's the officer and gentleman bit in it, you know, when he go when he stops in the yeah. and gives him the Oh. That's a better movie though. Yeah. I tell Absolutely. You. I tell you. Oh, man. I went to this <sighs> movie and this feelings and memories and loving this movie. And <laughs> I mean, I think I'm going to look at this movie <laughs> at the end. I'm going to look at this movie lie. at the end and I'm going to go, no, I, I, for, for what it is is what I can rank it as. I can't rank it for what it's not. Yeah. yeah. So knowing the information is interesting enough and all, but it doesn't change the fact what this film did right or wrong in and of itself. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the average moviegoer didn't get, can I tell you a bunch of true stories about this <laughs> that's movie? True, that's true. That's true. Um, so Mrs. Johnson quits. Uh, why and why do you quit on those of us who've stayed? And she's uh, how Jenny Griffiths Griffith. is helping her clean up uh, her stuff, putting it in the car. Um, and also for such a problem teacher who's defied everything yeah. in the school system, 
and she said, I'm now leaving, yeah. they'd be over the moon, wouldn't they? Yeah, how would you go Unless straight? Unless it's really hard to, to fill that spot. How would she go back? I don't know. Because they wouldn't want her back. Yeah, you'd think so. <laughs> Uh, because there is the one point where she goes, I didn't mention this. Actually, this is a part of that scene I really like in the corridor with the assistant principal. And she goes, tell him some stuff about death. And I'll say, okay, I'll tell him that if you really value your life, make sure you knock first. <laughs> and the assistant principal goes, that's not fair. And she went, isn't it? And I'm like, she's kind of got a point there. Yeah. 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 Um, and you got to think that principal gets fired, right? Yeah. Maybe she's coming back as the principal. Um, <laughs> and she has the seam of Raul. She's like packing her desk up. And she tells him the kind of poems we did or the poems you and do in okay college. And he's okay with everything now, isn't he? And he's okay. And he's like, oh, okay, wow, I couldn't believe that. They weren't even that hard. She goes, yeah, yeah, they weren't hard. And they hug. And I'm just like, stop hugging the kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last day, and Callie's back. And they say she is their light. Yeah. You, you are Miss Johnson. You are a light. And we are, see, it's because she thinks she's the one who should be raging. Yeah. It's not you, it's us. That's We're raging because you're our light. Yeah. And she hides to stay. And they uh, say, you're our tambourine man. You're our tambourine man. She goes, I'm well, your I'm your drug, drug dealer. dealer. <laughs> you're <laughs> our teacher. Back. You got what we need. It's you got the what same we need. It's the same thing. thing. Which is a nice, it's a nice line. It's cute. Um, and they're all okay. quoting poetry at her. Yeah. And she decides to stay. And Jeffries goes, Jeffries, Jason. <laughs> Griffiths goes, <laughs> Griffiths goes, how did they get you to stay on? They, they said I was their light and they needed me. He goes, yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. <laughs> and I kind of got that. I got a little bit emotional at the end because um, when you get – when 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 someone lets you know that you made a difference and that you, the effort you put in mm. made them – it made their experience better because that's mm. the hope you have, I think, when you go into that. I, th- I think every teacher goes into the business because they want to make a change because mm. they want to be a positive um, manifestation of change in, young, in, in the lives of young people. Yeah. Um, it's not that we love Shakespeare that much. <laughs> I like Shakespeare a lot, but not, not, not that much. Yeah, it's the uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's hard work, folks. <laughs> um, and so then to get that back to you, it can be really encouraging or it can, it can cripple you if you, don't, if you think, you know, because the fear is what if, what if I'm not doing? Yeah. What if I'm not having a positive impact? What if I'm confusing them? What if I'm making it worse? What if I'm not reaching them the way they need to be reached? And so to get that response back can be powerful and can make you go, all right, I'm in it to win it. I'll, I'll stay. Uh, I hope they hadn't interviewed anybody else because probably as I know, schools aren't the kind of things where it's just like, yeah, it's not like you're like, no. you're not working at McDonald's and going, yeah, you put me back on the schedule for next week. Background checks. <laughs> all sorts of stuff. <laughs> like all sorts of things are in motion. Unless the school's like that badly understaffed. Yeah. And like, yeah, fine. But here's my problem. Weren't these, she said, I won't be back next year, she said. Yeah. Are these people not in their last year of high school? Because I always like to believe these kids are like seniors. It did feel like they were, the graduation was going to be at the end of the yeah. year. Yeah, because the way she said, you know, pay you back yeah. when you graduate. Yeah. You know, that was like soon. So is this the last day yeah. before summer? I don't know what the time Unless frame of this like is. Christmas, and she means like I won't be back in January. Well, then we need like a Christmas stocking somewhere. Because yeah. I was really going, yeah. what do you? Because I'm like, these kids are seniors. Like, like I said, Emilio's like forty. <laughs> like, only- don't tell me he's like <laughs> in his second last year of high school. <laughs> the only thing I can think is that either it's Christmas time or that they are like towards the. She's coming at the last term of their penultimate year. Yeah, me. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> And that was, and that's it. It just fades out. Yeah. As they're walking down the corridor. And I'm like, oh, movie just ended. 
Just like that. And that is um, Dangerous Minds. Um, let's talk briefly, though, about the music video for uh, Gangster's Paradise, <laughs> shall we? Where, I mean... I still like the video. The videos. It's a word we use a lot here. But the iconic... You, If you say Dangerous Minds, I'm sorry, you think of the shot from the video, not the shot from the movie. Yeah, you do. They're so closely connected. And I'll tell you yeah. what, it looked better than the movie did because they have shots of yeah. the movie in the video. Yeah. And the video looked way better. It did, yeah. yeah. I don't know what that's about, but... Nah. Um, I did have a look at it and I was like, the images of the video were definitely, from my memory, I don't think I'd ever watched it all the way through before, but that that song and those images, but I'd never seen the movie, but that in that was definitely in my sort of... In my memory there. And that must have been filmed so I think the... after the film. Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it, t- it takes a while for all the yeah, post-production yeah, stuff yeah, to happen. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and it did probably, did they wait till she'd had the baby? Oh, I would imagine this is post-baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. the soundtrack and its lead single, Gangsta's Paradise, enjoyed major success and received nominations for the Grammy Award for Record of the Year. And it won Coolio the Grammy Award for Best Rap Solo Performance for his vocals. Mm. How can they reach me? They can give you a Grammy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that worked out rather well. Um, Emilio, the gentleman who played Emilio. Wade Dominguez. Wade Dominguez died three years after this was released. Yeah. In a little bit of weird like life foreshadowing. I didn't catch how he died. I think it was some sort of illness. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Did you catch what it was by any chance, Ellie? Uh, I did, but I can't remember. It was it was definite. I'm looking at it again now. It was definitely an, an illness of some kind rather than anything too uh, dramatic. Um, respiratory failure. One last thing on Luann Johnson before we leave it. She says here, I told the producers, you know there are black kids who don't have a crackhead for a mom, right? And there are Hispanic <laughs> kids who don't speak Spanish. Their response was that they're on-set gangologist. Their onset gangologist said the script was accurate. <laughs> Apparently, there is a job for specialists in gang culture called a gangologist. Okay, I'm shaking my head. <laughs> what? <laughs> gangologist. Imagine putting that on your CV. Especially going, look, I know you're the one who lived the life, but our person knows better than you what you did. How much coke was Don Simpson taking at this point? It was his last film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he was taking a lot. <laughs> Um, just as a kind of final touch here, uh, I want to talk about, before we talk about what we felt about it, I want to talk about what some of the critics thought. Uh, oh, okay. If we had to guess, though, what the Rotten Tomato score was. I've just seen it. Okay, so you can't do this. I don't know. If um, you had to guess. Are we doing our percentage? Yeah. 76. 76. Debbie? I, I looked at it last week, but I honestly can't remember, but I've got a feeling it was low. So I'm going to say it was in the 40, say 42%. 26%. What? Pretty, Ouch. pretty much universally disliked by critics. Wow. 28. 28? Yeah. I have 26. Okay, maybe I'm, I, I typed it up wrong. Um, average IMDb 6.5. So just that the regular oh, viewer okay. liked it more. But not, 6.5 is not very high still. No, that's not. Um, I feel like IMDb scores are often a bit higher than... But they they always tend to skew high. Don't well, they? yeah, because but but they also stop from getting the super heights. So like you know we don't yeah. see a lot of nines on IMDb, but we see a lot of ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Mm. So Janet Maslin, New York Times wrote, there aren't many things that would look better on paper than on Michelle Pfeiffer, but the role of Lou Anne Johnson is one of them. 
Uh, Kenneth Turan in the LA Times wrote that only uh, that only Michelle Pfeiffer's poor performance seemed even vaguely real. So he gives her a little bit of process. Oh. Everything. To be fair, these are like, for tough kids. These are tough kids in the classroom. They turn into angels in about they, three seconds. They yeah. Do, yeah. Uh, Peter Travers in Rolling Stone wrote the young and mostly unknown cast is outstanding. And Pfeiffer, mm-hmm. good old Fife's, gives a funny, scrappy performance that makes you feel committed teacher's fire to make a difference. Maybe producers Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer don't know how to let a strong female lead carry the ball. Still, in a summer when most women are forced to play dumb and strip to thrill or kill, Pfeiffer does herself and her endangered species proud. Mm-hmm. I think oh. he liked it. Uh, Roger Ebert in the Chicago Sun-Times wrote... We've seen this basic story before. Yeah. We've seen it in Stand and Deliver, Lean on Me, Teachers, Dead Poet Society, and so on. This version is less than compelling. Pfeiffer, who's a good actress, does with this material what she can. But the real Ms. Johnson didn't use Dylan, but the lyrics of rap songs to get the class interested in poetry. What has happened in the book to movie transition of Luann Johnson's book is revealing. The movie pretends to show poor black kids being bribed to literacy by Dylan and candy bars. But actually, it's the crossover white audience that is being bribed with mind candy in the form of the safe words by the two Dylans. What are the chances this movie could have been made with Michelle Pfeiffer hooking the kids on the lyrics of Ice Cube or Snoop Doggy Dog? Mm. Mm. And as a little final where are they now catch, so we said how the real life Emilio is... Um, if Emilio's out there, the real Emilio, yeah. you know, get on you. I you believe know? the real life Raul yeah. is now a teacher. Whoa, nice. <gasps> I like that. That's fantastic. Oh, that is fantastic. They need to remake the film. Yes, they do need to remake the film. Really, they really do. Oh, yeah, it needs rebooting. This is. And I'm we don't say often it. say that. No. no. Uh, can we just do a really quick? I think there's only one role that counts. Is this Michelle Pfeiffer's best role ever? No. What is then? Batman Returns. Batman Returns. <laughs> it's a cottage show. <laughs> I also like her in Scarface. I haven't seen Scarface. I like her in Fabulous Baker Boys. No, it's not. It's not one fine day for me. No. Um, I think I do rate this as her best performance, even though I hate the accent. I, I, do, I do. I do like her in this. I'm trying to think of what else I. I'm, the emotion I really like she her portrays in. in this. Yeah, is very compelling. Uh, and I still love her. I mean, it's her. It's probably her biggest standalone. This is your vehicle kind of movie. Yeah, not like a, a rom-com. Or not a, a rom-com where she's splitting it. Yeah. Not like Batman Returns where she's like a supporting role. No. Where she is the singular star. Yeah. One singular the sensation. sensation. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think for me, maybe. But that's without me knowing a great deal of. Definitely better than Grease 2. Oh, I love her in Grease 2. Oh, Grease 2 is terrible. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Not as good as the first one, but I love it. Okay. Uh, usual questions. I mean, whose story is this? I think it's pretty basic, right? Maybe which of the kids' side stories did we like the best? Because there's a few yeah. who they focus on. It's Emilio, we get Raul, we get Callie, and we get Jarrell. Yeah. So which one did you sort of buy most into? I bought most into Emilio, but I wanted a happy ending with Emilio, not the, the dark ending of Emilio. Okay. I really like Raul. Raul? Yeah. Um, I just think he's got a lot of very heartfelt character, and I just really enjoyed Interesting. the scenes. It's interesting they gave him the scene when she was packing up. Yeah. That was when he got his moment. But because... I think if Emilio had survived in the film, yeah. that would have been him. Because he had the big arc. I don't no. think he's the kind of guy to express his words, though. No. She talked to him more yeah. than he spoke to her. 
Or there'd been a there'd been a sort of a, a last minute something nod or something there'd been a something from him. There'd have been a look. She a look. she yeah. she goes to leave the classroom. He goes, so you're gonna walk out on us? I thought you were here to save my life. Yeah, you good. Oh, I just what? started well up. Why, 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 why am I not getting a chance to rewrite some of these? Dude, why is no we one? Should, we should rewrite this. Shall we get in contact Do with Willie Van Johnson? The, the, remake, <laughs> the remake and everything else. Why not? I know. Yeah. Um, Debbie. Raoul. Raoul. Okay. Yeah, Raoul, I I definitely got touched by um, the when she went to visit the family okay. because um, I wrote down at that point that the family is really important and he oh. because Raoul at that point he was embarrassed and scared and yeah. then when she talked him up it was like actually and as a parent don't like to play the mum card but <laughs> <laughs> there is a bit you want to hear how your children are with other people yeah. because you don't get to see that side. You get one side. So that, that really touched me a lot. So yeah, and there's, there's a great shot of the mum in that too, when she's sort yeah. of is taking in because the dad's the one who speaks, but the mum really takes in as his dad, but there's a great shot of the mum. but how many yeah. people were in that opening shot when they get into oh, the house? Oh, oh my yeah. word. And fam. And so family is important and the role within the family. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say, Oh, I, I, I mentioned who we haven't talked about yet. Uh, honorable mention to Jarrell and his family because he doesn't get that clean Hollywood ending. No, he doesn't. He doesn't come back and go, my grandma saw and she wants me to have my education. Yeah. No, that's that. That's, yeah, yeah. And as a teacher, that is part of it. I think some you win some and you lose some. Yeah. Uh, not literally in the case of you lose this student in a sense or yeah. you know another one dies. But I'm going to go with Callie in the sense that uh, a little neat, a little Hollywood, a little they told me. I mean, that was a bit rushed. They told me that you were – and I thought you'd always be here, so I'm here now, and I hope you still believe in me and you're going to be here for me. Uh, I thought her arc was insightful, and also it was hidden. The first 20 minutes of the film, you just saw lots of shots of her just looking yeah, yeah. and sort of weighing this person up, whereas Emilio got our attention because he was loud. Callie got yeah. just a few looks, and we went, what's her story? Yeah, you knew she was smart, yeah. but then when she said she was pregnant, I was like, well, no, didn't see that. Yeah. Did not see that. Um, favorite scene? Yeah. My favorite scene is the bit at the house when she's talking to him. You asked me once how I was going to save your life. Okay. That bit. Ellie? Uh, the one where she finds out that Emilio has been shot and how that then leads into the classroom. I just think tough. it's such a powerful scene. Mm. I, I'm between that, that one because that, that's when I cried. Um, when when they found out Amelia was dead, and um, but also the scene with Raoul at home that was that was touching. Okay, uh, yeah. I'm an honorable mention the scene where she kind of does the old Captain My Captain Dead Poet Society speech, where the kids are all "We love you" and she chooses to stay. Mm-hmm. It's a nice scene for all. It's, ho- yeah. it's the Hollywood happy ending. It's a bit rushed, but but it's a nice scene. It choked me up. So there's that. But I think my scene is Raoul and 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 yeah. and, the, and the, the the scene at home. I thought. Um, so much of that was done, kind of like what you said before, Liam. A lot of it was done with, with looks and not necessarily with words, and mm. I, I appreciated yeah. that. Also, the fear in Raoul's face that it's going gonna, it's gonna to go mm, badly gonna for go him. Wrong, yeah. And then the relief, and then the pride. He goes through a, yeah. a, a few things. He actually does a really good job, I thought, in that. Mm. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Uh, little grumble? The karate at the, front, at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know that. So fake. Yeah. It just didn't come across right. It's like Bruckheimer and Simpson went, what are kids like? They like karate. Yeah. Let's do a karate <laughs> scene. I'm telling you, Don Simpson was on too much coke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. 
Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you've done two films by those guys already. <laughs> I know, <right? laughs> and I don't want to do more by Jerry Bruckel. Yeah. Ali. Uh, for me, the bit outside the restaurant crosses a line. Um, uh, when he tells her about his jacket, um, she says to him, you, you look very handsome. And it's when she said that, I was like, oh, that's not really appropriate. But, you know, it's a, I suppose it's a nice compliment. They're out, they're out for dinner and times have changed and all that jazz. And, you know, perhaps she's just being a bit nice. And then she like kind of said, come on then, handsome, and took his arm and led him into the restaurant. And that was almost like a pet name. And that got really creepy. Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is not okay. Debbie? Um, the couple of things I had throughout my notes, how on earth could she eat so much and be so thin? Um <laughs> She's pregnant, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I know that. Ellie's problem was she wasn't eating the nachos. So. <laughs> she didn't eat the nachos, but there was Cheetos and chocolate Oh, it's true. And she was eating Cheetos for breakfast because she's a kid. Yeah. Yeah. But also, um, right at the beginning, she looked, I mean, she looked like me in 1995 with that hairdo, all clipped up, very, very cutesy, the soft collars. And then the next day it was vum. And so that, that was probably to emphasize that a bit more. But she was also, she seemed so fragile right yeah. at the beginning. And then overnight, the switch was really, really quick. So I. Being a Marine, she didn't need to be so fragile. I think. Yeah. I think that she could have had the harder edge from day one. Yeah. yeah. It shouldn't strike me as a woman who would own a leather jacket. No, but she looks hot in that oh. leather jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. And you know when she wears them shades? Yes. Oh. Michelle Pfeiffer would look hot in a bin bag, Liam. I, like the, the leather jacket's got nothing to I, do with it. I felt the shades were an interesting choice to wear when talking to Darrell's grandma. I thought she was going to take them off. I thought she'd take them off to show respect, respect and openness. But she didn't. As opposed yeah. to this guard or yeah. this division. Yeah, well, interesting. If she'd taken her sunglasses off, it would have made all the difference. He'd have come back to school. Mm, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I did yeah. also make a note when I watched the Gangster's Paradise video, I just put Michelle Pfeiffer's jaw. Yeah, her jaw's really defined. <gasps> really defined. She has an amazing jaw. Yeah. Um, I'm glad everybody appreciates Michelle Pfeiffer. I don't. <laughs> I never I never got it. I'll be honest with you, I never got it. But my friend did. Never understood it. Just means there's no, just means there's no competition, buddy. That's all it means. Michelle, if you are listening. Because, Mich- you know, Fife's. I know, I know you listen to this to, to the show, so, you know. I love you. My little grumble is, I don't want to go into this, but I guess I'm going to. Uh, it, it was quick. It was really quick. In fact, I think it was too. Uh, it didn't drag. The third act, though, was like, bam, it's over. Yeah. And I needed a little bit more resolution. And I kind of felt. I'm just going to go back. With so much great real life material, mm. it was more. It was a better Hollywood movie than the Hollywood movie. Mm. You know, for all the scandal yeah, they yeah, tried yeah. to put in it, there's a great film in there. So much. Good which, which also would have given you, like, a much better final scene. Yeah. What's that final scene like if Emilio's there? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's things you could have done. There's callbacks you could have made reference to. The whole thing with Emilio and having the gun to his head would have been tense enough. And then to have him being talked off the ledge by her, such more satisfying. And I'm sorry, if you're going to kill him, and I'm not not really uh, politicking for this thing, but if you're going to kill him, kill him on screen? Yeah. Or, or have a, a let me see him get sent out why do I have to find out about the same time Michelle Pfeiffer does we've talked about restricted viewpoint a few times in the yeah. last few films but why does it have to be restricted there why can't I see him go in and be told you didn't knock and see him get frustrated yeah. and mad and storm yeah. out and then all of a sudden maybe you just hear rather than the jaws you know you hear that dun 
dun, dun, dun. And then bang. maybe it fades out. Yeah. Bang. And it, or he walks out, out of the frame and you hear the bang and that's it. And you hear screeching of tires. Maybe you're and then we them. cut to them in the classroom. Like there's better ways yeah, to do yeah, this. Yeah. So yeah. I just felt it's like they went, what's the least payoff way we could tell this least interesting version of a story? Yeah. Mm. So that's it must that. have had a high rating for the... Um, the expletives in it so would the the violence have been much more no that's a that's a really good point because yeah. there isn't a lot of violence in this no. language i don't know how many f-bombs there were in this <laughs> that's the only thing that'll really that'll kill you yeah there was there was the one where she calls him she calls him oh, mother okay yeah so that would have got you there an r several. that would have got you yeah. an r in the states yeah so yeah. really you're kind of up to it for for violence then yeah. And it's not like the actor, yeah, he's playing a kid. But like I said, he's he's whatever. That brings us it's a good time to do that. Age game, age game. Let's all play the age game. I don't oh. know how well wait and, wh- and, and, while, <laughs> and while we're doing the age game, start thinking about your rankings out of 10. Okay. Okay. So we'll start with Michelle Pfeiffer then, Miss Johnson. Fife's herself. Um, I'm going to say 32. Well, 35. I was going to go older and go 36. That's fine. So. Older still, 37. Wow. Oh, I'm and Wilson. And wow. Pre- <laughs> wow. Wow. And, and pregnant. I'm <laughs> Yeah, Jason. Good honor. Uh, Hal Griffith. <laughs> A lot older. I'm going to say 44. No, I'm going to say the fat ages of 40. Oh, by the way, he was, he was fat. I, thought he was, I don't remember this movie. I thought he was having like a heart attack in the third act or something like that. Especially I literally, there was like a lot yeah. of foreshadowing that he yeah, was going to yeah. drop dead. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe they did Maybe that in and then they changed it. it. Never, yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Jeez. So you said um, so 44, I said 40. Yeah. I'm going to say 46. He's 50. Wow. 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 <laughs> the fat did not age him. No. Wow. Um... Emilio Ramirez. Ooh. So Ian thinks he's 40. <laughs> 27. I'm going to say 27. Um, you can say 27. No, hedge your bets one way or the other. Is he 26 28? 28. I'll go 26 then. 29. <laughs> <Is he Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> Told you. Yeah. That is an old looking kid. He's still my favorite character. So he, in actuality, he's only eight years younger than Fife's. Wow. Yeah. I can't stop saying wow. I've turned into Ron Wilson. <laughs> wow. Uh, Callie? Oh, okay. Younger. Uh, 24. 21. I'm going to say 19. 28. Wow. Oh. Yeah. So again, only about nine years yeah. younger. Yeah. And Raul. Okay, Raul. Mm. Twenty-three. Twenty-four. Twenty-two. You're all too high this time. Twenty-one. Wow, okay. Oh. So, you, so, okay, so the scenes between him and... It's interesting, because that's the one that we... It seems like we went a little bit more... That's really creepy than the Emilio one. Yeah. And maybe that's... And look at that, 16 years. And maybe, though, if you're saying there was sexual tension yeah. with Emilio and Fife's... Yeah, Fife's. May, maybe there was. You know, maybe. There's no age... She's pregnant with her like husband's kid at the time, but hey, movies, people, actresses, and actors, you know, <laughs> it's been known to happen. You know, wow. I'm just saying, wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I don't know. Sorry, Michelle, if and, I and that just trouble. and that just leaves us with ratings. <laughs> Liam, why don't you start us off? Dig yourself out of a hole and give us a rating. Uh, out there. I'm not digging myself out of a hole. I love this one. Um, I went into this film 
knowing it as a child, it's it spoke to me. Last time I heard this was The Crow. I'm scared. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I thought a lot more of this film as a child. Now, after everything we know and everything else, I would have gave it an eight and a half going into it. I'm now going to give it seven and a half. So, yeah. Ellie. Um, I really quite enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a seven and a half as well. Okay. Debbie. I'm going to give it a seven because I'd never seen it before. But since all the information I now know, I would go lower. Yeah. Same. Because, yeah, for what I saw, it I was expecting I was going to go like six or lower when I walked into this. I thought, remember bits of it went, okay, I think it's a little bit this, a little bit that. For all its warts, I'm going to give it a seven. That oh, was good. Yeah. Really, I, really I, liked st- it. I still love this film. It's a good and, film. And it, I mean, you saw me. I mean, that really moved me still. Yeah, even actually, this, yeah. Even to this day, it still moves me. There's some certain scenes that I just came back to me straight away. I had to miss, like, Emilio's death was, like, brushed over. Yeah, it was. They cried, yeah. and then it was, don't go, miss. Yeah. And I'm just like, Ay. if you're going to kill him, have it mean, and it meant nothing. No. It meant nothing. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, I I, I care more about Jarrell not being there than I do Emilio. And that shouldn't be the case when yeah. someone dies. To be fair, as much as I love Michelle Pfeiffer, he's still my favorite character. Is he? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Well, He was we- so engaging, though. I mean... Don't, don't you think? He acted with his eyes. He was a... The way I could explain it is he was more of a, a James Dean then in the fifth, in the 95 like he was in the 50s, you know? I just... There was... I don't know. I like less words, more eyes. Okay. Less words, more eyes. Speak. <laughs> Talk less, mom more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, that just leaves us with what we are doing next Ooh. week and for, this is one of the rare times <laughs> I have no idea what we're doing next week it's Ellie's choice this is not a rare thing because I don't know either I've had this decided for ages and I've had to keep it quiet <laughs> and it's like oh god I want to tell someone in fact Georgia, Georgia knows to be fair so uh, I did tell someone um, so we are going to go for uh, unsurprisingly perhaps me I've said a few times that I like um, some dark films so mm-hmm. we're going to go for a mystery thriller okay um, it's it's one that I've seen once before, um, but Ian and I actually watched a different version of this film oh, not okay. that long ago. Um, so we're going to watch The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the American version, um, Starring Daniel with Craig. Daniel Craig and Rooney Mara. Oh, okay. Um, so not the... There's, a, there's also a Swedish version from so 2009. The, the American English language version. It's a David Fincher. Okay, David Fincher, who did Gone Girl, who did Fight Club. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So that's oh, going to be I'm Debbie. You definitely could not handle this one. No, that's <laughs> so I will. Don't worry about guesting me for next one. That's all right. <laughs> so, but a big thank you to Debbie for joining us this time. Thank yeah, you, Debbie. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been interesting to sit down and watch something I never watched before. Yeah. Um, especially an old film. I, I did really like it. So, oh. thank you very much. It's been good. It's an old film. It is. We're old. Well, no, you are. I'm not. <laughs> No, hang on. (laughs) I'm still in my 20s. I'll have you know, right? Thursday night, I was out, and twice I got told I was in my early 20s. Where were you? Was that a drink count? Okay. (laughs) Uh, One was slightly impaired (laughs) with drink, but the other one wasn't. 
Okay. So, you know. Would they like Michelle Pfeiffer and they forgot to take the sunglasses off? All right, guys, come on. Here's a break. <laughs> Love you, sweetie. All right. So, thank you for joining us yeah, thank for, you. Um, what was this called again? Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Best film ever. <laughs> Done a lot of podcasts in the last couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us for Dangerous Minds, and please join us next week as we tackle the English language version of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So, for best film ever, I've been Ian. And I've been Liam. I've been Ellie. And I've been Debbie. And it feels like we've been spending most of our nights living <laughs> in this podcast <laughs> paradise. We'll see you next time. <laughs> see you. I'm doing gangsters fair actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got that. As I walk through the valley in the shadow of death. Come for the film review, stay for Liam's rap aspirations. <laughs> 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 <laughs>